Yes, that's right, Relieved, which is exactly how everyone is feeling now that Lost Lives returns, returns for a second week in a row. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler. I am your host here at Lost Lives Returns, which is, I guess, the name that we are using for the reboot of Lost Lives. Lost Lives 2 would have worked as well and perhaps would have been relevant given some of the subject matter that we are getting into here on Lost Lives Returns. But Lost Lives Returns, it is, and it does indeed return for a second week, this limited-run podcast here on Post Show Recaps planned to last through September, through the end of September. Very fun stuff. Really excited about the reaction to our launch episode on 8-15-16. That was so much fun to put together, and we've gotten a really great response from that from people who had already known about Lost Lives, people who are now discovering it, people who are just having a little bit of a nostalgic itch for some Lost, people who are just maybe, you know, discovered it in their podcast feed by accident, and it was a thing to listen to, and they liked it. Haven't heard too much from the haters, probably some of them out there that's okay you don't have to like it but i've heard overwhelmingly from the people who really enjoyed it and that's great this podcast really only exists for you guys i love talking about lost have to have a good reason to talk about lost and this is a good enough reason to do it for this kind of summer long or end of summer long podcast that we are doing here so what are we getting into today as we embark on our second week of lost lives returns we will have emily fox back on the podcast of course my wife who is going to be re-watching a random episode of Lost With Me every single week. We will continue doing that here with a little bit of a change to the rules or at least the structure in how we will present that rewatch project moving forward. So more on that in just a few minutes. We will also have my good friend and Lost Lives alum, one of the founding co-hosts of Lost Lives, Antonio Mazzaro. He is going to be hopping in here shortly. He is going to be talking to us about all sorts of stuff. We're going to talk a lot about McC- Cutchen, which is Charles Widmore's favorite drink. Desmond is not allowed to have any. That is very, very, very sad and very rude of Charles Widmore. And I don't suggest that anybody drinks any McCutcheon while listening to that segment of the podcast, but it might be fun. Antonio Mazzaro and I are going to be talking about McCutcheon and other forms of lost booze, Dharma beer, the red wine that we mentioned in our Abby Turno conversation last week will come up. I am sure of it. I never will probably come up as well. So we're going to talk about the role that booze generally McCutcheon specifically has had on Lost. I think that's going to be a very fun conversation. And we will also, of course, talk to Antonio about Lost 2, which he pitched at the end of the first Lost Lives Returns podcast. Spoiler alert, I think we're going to be talking about Lost 2 throughout all of these Lost Lives Returns podcasts. It's one of my favorite subjects to talk about when it comes to Lost. I'm not necessarily advocating for Lost to come back. I'm not necessarily advocating for a lost sequel i would certainly be very heartbroken hearts and minds broken perhaps even if that were to happen without damon lindelof and carlton Cuse in play uh, but i think there is some sense of inevitability just looking at tv culture now looking at all the reboots the remakes the sequel series the prestige limited edition runs of shows much like how lost lives returns is a limited prestige run of something uh, i think that that's just kind of been sort of the the way that tv is going these days and i feel like lost being owned by disney being owned by ABC. I would be really shocked if it never comes back. So if it's going to come back, let's at least start with a positive spin on things and talk about some of the ideas that we would like to see in a comeback for Lost. So that's something that we're going to talk about definitely on this podcast with Antonio, and I think that we're going to be talking about throughout the run of Lost Lives Returns. Before we get to Antonio, let's talk about what episode we are going to watch 
this week. And in order to determine which episode we are going to watch, I recorded this little ditty with my wife, Emily Fox, and we are going to decide which episode to watch. So stay tuned for that conversation. Here it goes. Hi, Emily. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really well. Very happy to be home back in our home base in New York. How are you feeling about this? I feel fantastic about this. We're sitting on a scrunched up rug in your office like we normally do. So all is well in the world. All is well in the world. We are finally getting our breakfast smoothies back on. We both have blueberry seeds in our teeth. It's very attractive. Ready? On two. One, two. Smile. All right. This doesn't translate well to podcasting, but we just smiled at each other and we have blueberry seeds on our teeth and it's really disgusting. Do you like how I did the count of two instead of three? Yeah. Why did you cut three out? <laughs> I'm jet lagged. I don't know. This is happened. Lost Lives. You should have counted up to at least four. Sorry. All right. Well, anyway, Emily, very excited to get back on Lost Lives with you for week two of the rebooted Lost Lives. Lots of great feedback for our recap of Ab Eterno last week. One consistent note that I saw, Emily... Uh, uh, across a lot of the feedback that we got is that people thought that you took the episode analysis way too seriously and that you really <laughs> ought to dial it back. I'm sorry. Like you're just like your your sharp, sharp lost knowledge and recall was just too swift for people to to figure out. People don't often think that I would be as much of an aficionado as I am, but you know. No, you're fantastic. It was great. It was very it was very it was very fun. I think that the the takeaway of last week and what we're going to get into this week is I think these are going to be goofier sort of lighthearted hot takes on lost characters. So if you're looking for the deep dive analysis, maybe look elsewhere. We'll see how much deep dive analysis we Ouch. can pull off. No, I'm just I think it's more fun to just let loose and have a good time here. I know some things, just not all of the things. You know great things. Your knowledge is fantastic. We actually did have some really good feedback from our friend Albert Vargas who had written in and asked if we could actually end our episodes by revealing which episode Emily and I are going to be watching in the following week. I think that that is a great idea. It's too late to implement for the episode that we're going to watch this week, but we will end by selecting next week's episode so that everybody who wants to follow along, who wants to send in questions ahead of time, that can all happen. How does that sound to you, Emily? Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Why don't we get to the business at hand here, Emily? We've got a lot to cover today. Of course, what Emily and I do here on Lost Lives, if you are listening for the first time, which is a mistake, I think that you should at least go back and listen to last week's Lost Lost Lives relaunch, but Emily and I are going to be watching a different episode of the show every single week. We are randomly generating episodes using EpisodeGenerator.com, and basically it goes like this. We cannot watch the first three selections that we select through Episode Generator. Number four is our first available option. Number eight is our second available option, 15 and 16. We will close out by 16 unless something catastrophic has happened, and Emily is the person who's mostly going to make the choice, but I might overrule from time to time. How does that sound to you, Emily? Sounds great. Let's All right, do it. Let's do it. So we are going to EpisodeGenerator.com, and the first one up is, ooh, Season 5, Episode 12, Dead is Dead. This is a great episode, Emily. This is from the time travel season of Lost, a season of Lost that I think is vastly underrated, is just fantastic. I love all the twists and turns of this season, and Dead is Dead is probably the best argument as you are building the case for the fact that John Locke is not John Locke. He is actually the smoke monster. They do a lot of legwork here before that reveal is made later on in season five. However, Emily, we will not be discussing this episode today. Oh, uh, all right. Bummer. Bummer. All right, so let's generate our second episode possibility. This is season six, episode 10, The Package. 
Whatever. I'm out on the package. The package is a Sun and Jin episode in season six. They have not seen each other since the end of season four. They still will not have seen each other here in season six up to this point. I think that this is the episode where Sun's uh, unable to speak. She is not going to be able to speak any language until she reunites with Jin several episodes from now. Just the look on your face right now, Emily, it's like, I don't want to do this one. I'm just wondering why this generates so many later episodes for the later seasons. You know, I've done some trial generations, and I've been uh, I've burned through a lot of the early seasons really early on, so I'm not that nervous about it. But right now, starting with a five and a six does make me a little nervous. Let's generate episode three, which we will also not discuss. This is going to be season two, episode nine. See, we're already in early seasons. Okay. So we, we've got some early season material here. The good news is we are not watching this one because it's what Kate did, and that's kind of whatever Kate did. This is the episode where we finally find out why Kate is on the run, why she was a fugitive in the first place, why she was a prisoner. It's because Kate Austin blew up her dad. Damn. Yeah, that's she blew up her, her dad. She was very angry at her father for all sorts of reasons, so she blew that guy up, and she's been on the run ever since. And there's a horse in the jungle. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I do remember that. There's a stallion in the jungle, and Kate's running around, and she's very confused because she sees the stallion, and the stallion is the stallion that she ran into on the night that she escaped from police custody. And so she's like, oh, my God, why is the horse here? And then she makes out with Jack, and Jack's like, whoa, why are you making out with me? And she's kind of like, "Ah, I don't really know. We're not going to talk about this for a while. I'm kind of more into Sawyer anyway, and he's wounded in the hatch station, so I'm going to go nurse him back to health. And then Sawyer seemingly is possessed by the spirit of her deceased father, and she's really freaked out by that. I think that that's what drives her to go and make out with Jack. And then she does this big confession to the comatose Sawyer to be like, I thought that, you know, I hated you, Dad, and all this stuff. And then Sawyer's like, why are you talking to me like I'm your dad? And she's like, oh, Sawyer, you're awake. And then Sawyer's awake. Yeah. You remember all that? I, I to- totally remember all of that. Okay. All right. Here we go. No, I the horse. I remember the horse. Of course you remember the horse. It's like Mr. Echo's in this episode, too, and I love Mr. Echo. Mr. Echo is in this episode as well, and that's actually the best part of this episode is when Mr. Echo goes to Locke and gives him the whole story about the temple being built and brick by brick and how he has seen the video from the orientation video in the Swan Station, and he's very impressed by that, and he comes up to Locke and says, on the other side of the island, I found a station much like this, and in the station was a book, and in the book was this piece of film, and it is a piece of missing film from the Swan Station orientation video. And John Locke and Echo's brief but awesome bromance begins here. All right, so we are not talking about season two, episode nine. We are not talking about what Kate did. Here is episode four, the fourth generation. This is our first opportunity to pick an episode to watch, and it is... Season 5, episode 17, The Incident, part 2, the second half of the season 5 finale, which would be an awesome episode to watch if we could watch the finale in its entirety. But since this is only part 2 of a finale, I don't feel like this is appropriate to watch. I think that we have to pass, which is a shame, because this episode is pretty dope. I agree with you. This is a time travel extravaganza. This is the culmination in our people's time in the 1970s. This is the detonation of the bomb. This is the reveal 
that John Locke is not John Locke, that he is some sort of nefarious force that wants Ben to kill Jacob. It's the first appearance of Jacob, though technically the first appearance of Jacob, I believe, is the incident part one in the opening scene. But since this is just the incident part two, and because we don't have time to watch a two-hour episode, Emily, I think we're going to have to pass. We've done plenty of talking about the season finales of Lost on other episodes of Lost Lives. And perhaps, again, someday we will talk further about these season finales. But today, shall not be that day all right episode five which we cannot talk about either is season six episode 17 the end the series finale of lost See, i'm telling you this generator is messed up it loves season six and it I loves no it keeps being like hey emily you want to, you really want to watch all these episodes i'm like not really i want to watch the earlier ones i remember those better maybe it is just some sort of divine mission that wants me to talk about the final season of lost because i have trashed the final season of lost enough times but we are not watching the season finale or the series finale rather we have covered the series finale of lost in depth mike bloom and i talked about the end five years later or maybe it was six years later don't quite recall the timeline on that but that was one of the final lost lives podcasts we recorded before going on extended hiatus before the reboot so you can go back and listen in the archives at posterrecaps.com slash lost itunes all right this is episode uh six that we are now generating this is season one episode seven the moth Oh, it's a Charlie episode. This is a great episode. Oh, Emily's eyes lit up. But we're not supposed to watch out of the numbers sequence. How about this? If we get to episode eight and you aren't satisfied, we could watch The Moth if that's the one you want to watch. Okay, sounds good. All right, so we will put that on standby, cheating the rules a little bit. What is the, uh, the fun in doing this if we can't fudge the rules? All right, this is episode seven. Season 5, episode 4, again with the season 5, The Little Prince. This is a good episode. I like The Little Prince, but we are not going to talk about The Little Prince. All right, let us get to episode number 8. Let's see if this is something that is up to standards. And it is. It's a season 1. It's season 1, episode 13. All right, I absolutely want to do this episode with you, Emily. This is... Hearts and Minds. Shannon. Yes, this is a Shannon is going to be in this episode. Boone flashback episode. The one and only Boone flashback episode, although he appears in other people's flashbacks. This is going to be Boone and Shannon running around in the jungle, but it's not really going to be Shannon. No spoilers, kind of spoilers, but there's going to be great Saeed action in this one for you. Yes, yes. We need to see more of that. This is going to be early on in Saeed and Shannon's flirt mance before it turns into a full-fledged romance flirt man yeah it's a flirt man you never heard of a flirt man's before that just really rolls right off the tongue it's so simple to say it really does <laughs> all right so i think that we're going to get into the flirt of shannon and saeed with boone really going crazy it's a good lock episode and we haven't really talked about lock as well lots of early classic lost stuff to talk about i don't feel like we would ever talk about hearts and minds otherwise on a podcast but i think that it's kind of a trashy episode of lost in some ways so i think that you and i are gonna have a really fun time talking this went through yeah it's like a guilty pleasure episode not in its entirety but in certain points it's definitely a little trashy all right so we're going to talk about hearts and minds today that is what we've settled on you're good with this yeah absolutely all right season one classic 
All right, so Emily and I are going to stop down to watch Hearts and Minds. In the meantime, before we come back and talk about that episode, here's my chat with Antonio Mazzara, one of the people I podcast with most frequently in my life. We're going to talk about McCutcheon, all sorts of other lost booze-related items, and even before that, we are going to talk about his little stinger from the end of the first Lost Lives Returns podcast. We're going to talk about that little Lost 2 teaser that he delivered, and in case you forgot what that sounded like, let's refresh your memories here is Antonio Mazzaro's pitch for Lost 2. Hi, it's Antonio Mazzaro, and this is the first scene of Lost 2. We open on an eye because, of course, we open on an eye. But this eye isn't opening. This eye is being examined. It's not 100% clear whose eye this is, but this person is in a medical chair, and that medical chair is in a weird, dingy medical room that, to fans of Lost, will be quickly apparent is the staff, the room where Ethan Rom played creepy doctor games with Claire in the early days of Lost. And sure enough, Ethan Rom is there. He's the one doing the examining. And in that way that only William Maypother, a.k.a. William Mapother, a.k.a. Tom Cruise's cousin, a.k.a. Ethan Rom can do, he's talking in a way that is on the surface friendly, but just beneath the surface, terrifying. And he's talking about performing a lot of tests on whoever's in the chair. And he's talking about how the results are inconclusive. He's talking about how there's a lot of debate about you, but one thing is for sure, you are special. Then he says, it may be tomorrow, it may be in a year, it may be in 10 years, but one day you're going to wake up and you're gonna realize how special you are. Things will have changed. And just as he says this, we are on another eye, opening, waking up. It's the eye of adult Walt. Adult Walt is in a bed, living by himself. There's a dog there. It's not Vincent, R.I.P. Vincent. But he is in a bed by himself. No one else is around. And we gradually see him going about his day. Was that a memory? Was that a dream? Is that something that's going to fade from his reality as he slips into consciousness? We don't know. He seems to be not terribly affected by it. This is probably not the first time that's happened. And as he's going about his day, we see him doing things like uh, dishes, eating, turning a TV on, maybe playing video games. At some point, he gets a phone call, and we don't hear both sides of the conversation. We only hear his side. But what he's saying makes it clear that he's got responsibility for something, and he's taking care of it. Yes, I've, I've done that. We're, we're on top of it. I'm taking care of it. And that's it. At some point during this montage of Walt's day, he drifts off to sleep. He's awoken by a crashing sound. Not a car crash or anything like that, but the sound of something hitting, maybe outside his house. By now, night has fallen. Walt is a little concerned. He rouses the dog. They go outside. We don't see immediately where Walt lives. We see instead that it's not the city, some kind of grass outside. He's walking around the side of his little house, and he gets to a window, and underneath the window, there's a dead bird. Was this what made the crashing sound? Walt is very rattled. He's very concerned. And as he's looking around to see if someone threw this, was this what it was? Was there something else? The camera's slowly panning back, and we see that Walt lives in the barracks, the previously thought to be abandoned home of the others from Lost. Walt lives on the island. And as the camera pans back into the darkness and we see more of the barracks surrounding it, we gradually transition from that darkness into the darkness of the lost title card. 
that's it. All right, so that's the start of Lost 2 from Antonio Mazzaro. And here he is, the Jacob, the author, the Lindelof of that little bit of beautiful, losty weirdness. It is Antonio Mazzaro himself. Antonio, what's going on? Hello, Josh. I'm the Arthur of my own fate. Is that right? You're the Arthur of uh, Walt's fate as well, it turns out. Well, at the beginning of. Yeah, that was it for Lost 2. That's all I've got, Josh. Yeah, it ends there. Lost 2 is just one scene of having Walt back on the island. No follow-up. Really just to make people even more frustrated that there wasn't enough Walt on Lost 1. Yeah, you have to introduce a question and not provide an answer. I mean, what uh, what fun would it be otherwise? That's the lost formula. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Antonio, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Josh. It's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah, well, this destination is, who knows, it may be our final destination, but hopefully the journey will be worth it. Antonio, for those of you who do not know Antonio from the many podcasts he does here on Post Show Recaps, he is a guy who I spend uncountable hours talking to about all sorts of stuff, including another Damon Lindelof show, The Leftovers. We've done a lot of podcasting about that. Currently doing a ton of podcasting. <laughs> Josh, didn't we, podcast, didn't we do podcasting about another Carlton Stop. Youth show? Stop! Stragoy! Stragoy! Yeah, we're not talking about that. That never happened. But also Antonio and I have talked about a ton of Lost on Post Show Recaps. Antonio, one of the founding co-hosts of Lost Lives here on Post Show Recaps. And I believe that Lost Lives is paid Patient zero for our very unhealthy bromance that you and I have together. It is, but I, I take issue with very unhealthy. Maybe it's, it's slightly unhealthy. It's pretty unhealthy, but, but it's very? like, but, but like it's like it's like junk food is tasty, and like you want to have more of it. It's also rare, like a 60-year-old McCutcheon, Josh. Uh, friendship is rare, and so is McCutcheon. So Antonio is here. Antonio, one of my favorite people to podcast with. We're going to talk about a lot of different Lost stuff. You and I managed to sneak a Lost reference into just about every podcast that we do anyway. So even though you and I haven't talked about Lost head-on in a while, I feel like we're talking about Lost almost every week in some capacity. Yes, absolutely. We don't go head-on. We go tail-in. <laughs> we're the tailies. We're the tailies. The That's exactly right. Which means yes. we're going to be killed off unceremoniously because of drunk driving which fits very well with the theme of mccutcheon yes it does 60 year old uh, and 120 dollars a glass or maybe 250 dollar fine and you're off the show 108 shots of mccutcheon will do the trick all right so let's start drilling down into some lost stuff uh we had talked antonio and i in the weeks leading up to the return of lost lives about some topics that we might want to cover i thought that it'd be really fun to get your take on mccutcheon maybe just other assorted forms of lost booze that was something that we talked a lot about is whiskey and bourbon during our justified podcasts i know that you are a man with a lot of inside facts on all of that good stuff i feel like that would be a fun subject for us to explore but before we explore any of that i feel like we should talk about the pressing matter at hand which is that harrowing i say harrowing lost to introduction that played at the end of the first lost lives reborn podcast last week played again just a few minutes ago antonio when you sent that to me i was very happy uh, i was just i was filled with glee hearing you do your best carlton cues deep droning voiceover of a lost scene it was spectacular i was very happy with it 
Well, I'm, I'm happy I made you happy, Josh. I think were you on, in my mind, you were on a plane when you were listening to it. And that may not be correct, but I felt like you spent a large portion of the last two or three weeks just gallivanting around Europe, as I said. Uh, so I, in my mind, I, you were just jumping from one place to another. i got to be honest. I was thinking about uh, recording this week's Lost Recap with Emily on our flight back from Europe. But that felt like really pushing it. Just in terms of like the karma, not the dharma, the karma and initiative it felt like it would be a really bad choice to podcast about lost on an airplane but i thought it'd be really fun to do you have to give gift bags to your people the yes. people that are sitting around you like as if you had a crying baby like listen we're going to be podcasting for the next like hour so here's some goodies for you don't mind us we're just going to be yammering on about a show with its central premise being a plane crash yes uh, exactly should be fine over here if we happen to pass any over any buttons that need to be pushed, I'm sure someone will be pushing them. It will be fine. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I was happy to record that. You, you didn't give really any parameters. You just said, "Hey, it would be cool to reboot Lost. Let's do it." And well, yeah, I mean that's one of the things that we talked about all the time on Lost Lives during the first run of Lost Lives. It just kind of ended up being sort of this casual gag about Lost Two and this idea of like one day we're going to do a podcast and we're going to assemble the writers' room and we are going to figure out Lost Two because it's. In inevitable that one of these days this disney abc owned property is going to come back so why not workshop it a little bit before it happens or just have some fun talking about the possibilities of lost after season six is there life there is there any juice that is worth squeezing uh and that's one of the things that i want to explore much how lost lives has been brought back to life i'd like to explore the possibility of what would happen if lost were brought back to life and that's something that i want to talk about across these Lost Lives podcasts, and one of the launching points, one of the you know the, the leap pads, the launch pads from talking about that stuff, I think is having you guys, anyone who's coming on the show, record a little bit of an idea of what Lost 2 might look like, at least as far as opening scenes, and this is what we wound up with, with uh, from you, Antonio. I thought it was very, very fun, very clever. Yeah, th- thank you. There are a lot of options, right? You could retcon a lot of what happened in Lost. You could say, the you know, whatever... Retcon. The long retcon. You could say whatever happened, happened, except for those things that we're going to decide didn't happen. And we're going to change that up. The problem with that is that – well, the problem with not doing that is you've killed off a lot of your adversaries, right? Like Charles Widmore is dead. Uh, ben Linus is neutered or he's become good. Uh, the, the the smoke monster, literally gone, right? So a lot of the evil or the malevolent forces that were in play within the show, both on and off the island, are gone in terms of canon of the show by the time you end season six. So if you're looking to introduce conflict, you have to find other ways to do that. And that was kind of my first, my first thought in, in terms of a starting point is what are some potential sources of conflict? What are some things that were unexplored from Lost uh, in terms of Lost proper that could come into play? Because the Flash Sideways... It's whatever it is, right? It's their own thing that they've created. By the end of season six, when major characters die and they realize they're going to, you know, create this afterlife together or join this afterlife together or whatever, it doesn't change the fact that you can tell a lot of story until they get to that point after the story of the island proper. So some people get off the island. What happens between then and whenever they die? Ghostbusting business with Richard Alpert and Sawyer and Miles. Yeah, well, that's hey, that's your loss too, Josh. You, we should uh, give you a couple. I weeks have, and let's have you come in. I have a thousand loss twos. I have. Yes. I have more loss twos than I know what to do with. 
But I like the idea of a show that could jump back and, and forth through time, like uh, like our original Lost did. That could focus on flashbacks, like our original Lost did, uh, and that could answer questions while introducing new ones, like our original Lost did. So those were the kind of basic parameters that I was operating under. And I realized you could tell a whole lot of story between, uh, and it could be ghostbusting, it could be otherwise, between when the people got off the island and Hurley becomes the new island protector, and then everyone dies and they all join the afterlife together. Like, you could come up with a lot of story in between that time, and that story could include threats to the island. There's a reason, Josh, that the island needs a protector. That's because of the life force, because of everything that the island is, uh, and what it could be, or what it could become if things escape out, or or whatever. So that could easily be threatened, and there are a certain limited number of ways you could bring that back. So that was my thinking, and one of the other things that I did is I talked to Mike Bloom about this a little bit. Uh, Mike Bloom, who was co-hosting the Mr. Robot podcast with me while you were away, Josh, and Mike and I talked about how we were frustrated about a few things from Lost, and we highlighted a few things that we thought, wow, we wish that would have been bigger during the show, and Walt was a big one of those. So that's really where all these things came together for what I did. Yeah, I think that Walt is, you know, one of the biggest question mark characters still on the board they kind of give a little bit of resolution or at least just a little bit of a tease of what could be in walt's future in the new man in charge that bonus feature technically the final bit of lost story that exists it's that dvd extra that blu-ray extra where ben linus goes and decommissions the remaining element of the dharma initiative the two people in whatever country it was that i'm not remembering off the top of my head where they were sending the pallets to the island and all of that stuff. And Ben is basically saying, yeah, you guys, here's your severance package. You're done. And they're like, well, where was this stuff going? And they ask all these questions and some minor lingering mysteries get answered in a really cute way. I really liked that. And it ends with Ben and Hurley recruiting Walt to come to the island and basically be like, yeah, your dad's kind of there. Uh, and there's some other weird stuff that you are, you know, attributed to and can probably work out if you get to the island. So there's like at least a little bit of a promise of Walt would go back to the island, satisfy all of that unresolved business. But here's the bummer. None of you guys as an audience will ever get to see it. You know, you'll just have to imagine what all that looks like. So I love the idea that if Lost were to come back, I feel like there's your chance to finally start satisfying some of those Walt questions, so many of which were really left hanging in the air. Uh, Really almost none of them were ever resolved unless you want to just describe it to standard Lost Island weirdness. Yeah, exactly. And if you, I mean, if you really think about it, that was 100% what I used as a spring, uh, spring off point for bringing Walt back into the story was that little bit of extra that was there. And the fact that he had been recruited to go back to the island. I thought the problem with a loss to promo or a loss to premiere pilot, whatever you want to call it, right? Is that I think you have to serve so many masters. You have to serve masters of the original fans of the show, people like us who are obsessive or even people who are less obsessive but did enjoy the show but then you also have to serve the masters of potentially getting new viewers in people who heard about loss but never really jumped in on the phenomena but would be in for a loss too so i do think that you have to do this thing where you've got you've got it so that it's it's a real treat for people that are fans of the show but you've also got a clear enough introduction that's mysterious enough for the people that are just coming in so bringing walt to the island something that's already canon ish and I thought that would be a good springing off point. But I think what's also canon about Walt is that his powers, such as they are, were not 
ever really fully defined, right? right? right. And like, oh, he's good with like predicting when a bird is going to slam into a window, or maybe he caused it, or hey, he's going to will a polar bear into existence because he read a comic book, even though that polar bear is already on the island. Like all of that stuff was very murky at best. Well, yeah. And oh, and he can also like show up soaking wet in the middle of the jungle, even though he's probably not actually there. Don't push the button. Don't the button push the is button. bad. The button's bad. Yeah. The, so it, it's there are a lot of those things that are that are present. And the other thing about Walt is that I think the others, even when they're taking him, I'm talking about episodes like maybe um, like uh, three minutes or just some of these like season two episodes, right? Where Walt is with the others and Miss Clue and characters like that are coming into play. Yeah, and we and, don't even really see any of that. It's all off screen for the most part. Right. But there's a lot of these vague, like, tests and things that are going on with Walt. And Walt is maybe not what they expected. And is he somewhere where he's not supposed to be? And the dead birds and Juliet's showing Walt, like, uh, all these dead birds by a window. And Ben saying Walt isn't dangerous. And others saying Walt is. And Jacob wanting him to be there. I just feel like there's a lot in question about whether Walt's powers, such as they are, could actually not just be pure good, that there could actually be some malevolence to them or the potential to be used by malevolent forces. And so I think putting Walt back in a position where he's not controlling those things, where he is concerned about them, even though he's on the island and they're, they're coming back up again, killing a bird, not a great thing. So uh, it doesn't represent, I don't think, something great. So this is, this is something I think that there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of potential for with Walt, is that he doesn't have to be the guy that comes back and is pure good. Right, and I think that that's something that clearly, you know, having heard you talk that through, I feel like that's present in the pitch that you proposed and the little short story you recorded where Walt seems genuinely concerned about the bird slamming into a window, almost as if, like, that hasn't happened in a long time. I thought that I had that on lockdown. I thought that I had that under control. No lockdown puns intended. I I thought that I had this situation under control, and I had this resolved, and my powers have been what they've been for however long. So I feel like maybe, you know, just hearing you talk that through, that that would be part of what could be explored with Walt, is, like, maybe even some of this stuff. You know, that's the famous line that Ben gives to Michael when he hands Walt back over. It's like, yeah, we bought off a little more than we could chew. We got a little more than we bargained for with Walt that maybe even within Walt himself, there could be a sense of like, oh, this is bigger than I even thought. Yeah, and I think it's the the Room 23 episode in season two where it becomes clear that Ben thinks Walt is is at least good in some respect and that Jacob has said that, that Walt should be there and Ben is actually at odds with Juliet. And Juliet's saying, give him back. Like, this is not a great thing. And Ben's denying that Walt could be dangerous. And Juliet is basically saying, like, he's killing these birds. Like, this may not be the safest kid. And I like the idea that Ben would, in the the DVD extras that you're talking about, continue to follow that, hey, Walt's good idea and bring him back to the island. And that it may be that Ben was in traditional Ben fashion, maybe not, maybe not correct, and that Ben's best motivations or Ben's actual desires got in the way of the, the, what needed to actually be done. And here Walt is being brought back to the island and maybe has some sort of ability to be manipulated or malevolence inside of him. The issue with Lost, too, of course, is 
I didn't go through, Josh, and answer any of the questions that I brought up myself sure. uh, in true Lost 2 fashion. So I don't know where that goes from there, right? You could you could conceivably have a situation where something is happening on the island at some point to Walt. Or maybe it's something like what Ethan was saying uh, in, the, in the introduction that I did there, which could easily be changed and maybe is not right on point, where Walt just wakes up one day and something will be different, like uh, something will have come into form. That's a very common story trope, obviously. So who knows? Who knows? That is what the right direction to go with. Uh, we can milk the most out of that would be. But I think there's a lot of potential there with Walt for sure. I think one of the other things that you had touched on earlier, just to pick up the um, the torch on that conversation, uh, you know, someone like Ben, you know, some of these bad guys, these real agents of chaos, have either been dealt with, killed off, or in the case of Ben, defanged a little bit. Where Ben sort of has a redemptive arc by the end of the show, he has you know agreed to become Hurley's second in command and then you even flash to the sideways universe and Ben is sitting outside the church and Hurley shows up he's like dude come on in and Ben's like nah dude I should stay out here I've got some stuff I'm still working out and Hurley gives him the good old like oh you were you were a great second in command and Ben says you were a good number one Hurley uh, so it seems like however that relationship ended ended on a pretty positive note so that if there were to be a second lost and Benjamin Linus were to be involved somehow do you lose that aspect of a character like like that because you know based on how the flash sideways ended that they are going to have to end in some sort of redemptive fashion and that character can no longer swing back to sort of the devious mischievous type of ben linus we had seen previously but i reject that notion i think that you could still do mischievous stuff i think you could still have a devious benjamin linus in a loss too i think that there's a lot of room for you know especially with a character like ben ben specifically a guy who does not walk through who chooses not to go into the church filled with holy light and move on to that next stage that yeah it could be that he's outside the church because he's dwelling on a lot of the bad stuff that he's done leading up to the season six finale but who knows what other bad stuff he did while he was hurley's second in command that hurley being such a good guy chooses to only look at the good stuff that ben did while he was his right hand man so i think if you were talking about a loss too where there was some sort of nefarious side of walt's powers and you have presumably hugo still in charge and ben linus still as his second in command i think that there's still room for Ben to backslide a little bit, slipping Benji. I think that you could see Ben going back to some old habits, and I think that you could see some of that playing out. I think that the ending of the actual Lost of the real series does, to me, put some you know some real finality to a bunch of these characters. But I still think that there are a few who are out there, especially the ones who survived, uh, that you could really kind of bring them back to some of those old places while still progressing a lot of the growth that they've shown over the course of the series and by the end of the show. But I think with someone like Ben, who really is at his best when you're not entirely sure where you stand with the guy, I think that that's a character note that could still exist if you came back to Lost 2. And I think that some of the more antagonistic forces as well, I think that you'd be able to pull that into the story. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Ben isn't in the church, that he's got some stuff to do in the in the prime version of the show that doesn't include anything that hasn't happened on the show, uh, it makes sense. Because Ben is a guy that's been conflicted. He's caused a lot of damage. It wouldn't necessarily have made a ton of sense for him to just slide right into their perfect little afterlife that they formed, right? So it makes sense that he's on the outs for that reason. 
But it also makes sense that he could be on the outs because he didn't do great things afterwards, and maybe he and he and Hurley didn't fit. Like I, you're right. Hurley says you were a good number two, but what does Hurley know? Maybe some stuff happened that behind his back that he wasn't even aware that was actually Ben's doing. Maybe Ben, uh, maybe Hurley did forgive some stuff, like you're saying. So there are some possibilities there. That's a character who has luxuriated in the gray between black and white, uh, Ben Linus, and he's not uh, always been on one side or the other and his motivations haven't always been clear episode over episode and he's done some horrible horrible things so it is uh it's a character i think that you can bring back and and say yeah maybe there could be some malevolence there i don't think it would be ben linus if he came back and he was just a good character i think you have to have the character be is he good is he not what's going on here what are his true motivations what is he blinded by i think that you have to have that in the essence of a ben linus character and i agree with you i think the way that that lost ends there's at least some room for that but he's not also an oppositional force by the oppositional force by the end of lost so i don't think you can just walk right back in with him as oppositional force i think that they're you're 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 better off if you play with the the nuance of that rather than just bring him in one way or the other uh i think you're always i think you could bring him in good and have you wondering like is the sh- is the other shoe going to drop on this guy cuz he's just a little creepy but i don't think you could bring him back just bad i think that you're missing out a lot if you do that yeah i think so too but it also depends on how much time has passed between the end of Lost proper and the beginning of fan fiction Lost 2. You know, like, how much time has passed? Has it been years? Has a lot gone down in the reign of Hurley uh, being the protector of the island? When we pick up the action again, where Walt is here living in Dharmaville, is he alone? Is he surrounded by other people who are working for Hurley? Is Hurley no longer in charge? Is Ben somehow in charge and it's not a good scene? Like, I think that there's a lot of potential there that you yes. could and then like now you're talking about you've built up a wealth of flashback material over the ensuing 10 years let's call it or eight years because that's a better number uh between the end of lost season six and the premiere of lost season two so i think that there's still material to mind there that it could be interesting of like oh wow ben linus is still just a jerk i thought that we left him in a pretty positive place what got him to this point again so i think that there's still material and i think that that's baked into the way that lost is structured with the flash back with that being a source of revelation for character mysteries as you push forward through the story well and there's i mean you could really pull back the the curtain and pull back the lens if you will and and flashback into flashbacks like like i sort of did right with uh with a little trickery you can't do it as well with young walt because you can only go with things that you have on tape otherwise because we we saw what happened with walt even in the context of regular lost a kid became a beanpole overnight yeah sure but you Taller Ghost Walt was just a thing that had to happen. Yes, exactly. It just had to put it in there. But you can do things like have uh, have it not be clear right away that it's him sitting in a chair being examined by Ethan Rom, but have that be sort of loosely clear. So you can do things like that with Walt. But with characters like Michael Emerson or actors like Michael Emerson or characters like Ben, um, you could actually have flashbacks into the Lost One canon proper that and you know using him as an seen. example, like they actually did flash back to Benjamin Linus's youth while using with Michael Emerson and just putting a wig on him. So I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the movie I'm making. Forgetting. Yes. I don't know what the movie making trickery would be for getting Walt to be a little boy again, but it's not unprecedented as far as Lost just, is concerned. He, well, he has to put uh, his shoes on the ground and then kneel into the <laughs> shoes and just kind of shuffle around. Yeah. That's the way to do it. 
Yep, that's the way I do it. I know for sure. Uh, that's movie magic right there. Yeah, uh, you're right. There, there are opportunities to do that with Walt, but I think that the, more so there are greater opportunities to explore things in the proper island timeline of Lost One that we didn't see. So, for example, in a Lost Two, you could get back to the point where someone is in an outrigger shooting at people that are mysteriously appearing and disappearing behind them. Like, you could get to the point where you're seeing alternate versions of key events uh, that were happening in Lost One and not realizing all along that X, Y, and Z were happening. So you can see more behind a thing. Uh, You could do that with someone like uh, Charles Whitmore uh, and things that he might have been involved off the island that didn't come to fruition right away, but you could set up other bad or evil forces that way. You could do it with something like the Hanzo Foundation, which was something that was introduced and never really pulled through on. We've seen the last two Dharma guys, if you will, get dismissed from their jobs. But there are these things out there that you can pull back into the story, but there are just no great, immediate, obvious ones. So I just went with something that I really wanted to know about, which is, hey, let's go back to Walt. Like, I really am curious about that. And I'm fascinated because you said I I would have thought – you said you personally – I could have thought of a lot of things I never would have started with Walt. So that's interesting to me. Yeah, I don't know that I would have started with Walt, but I think that if you are to go back to Lost, you know, if we're going to, and especially if you're going back to Lost, I am assuming that we are bringing some characters from the original run. If not, you know, all of the surviving characters, I'm sure not every single actor would be up for reprising their roles, but you got to imagine that a few people would be down to come back. Uh, and what's really the point in going back to Lost if you're not mining some of that history that already exists. And I think Walt is one of the top five characters on the board of people that you would have to bring back, someone you have to explore more. Here's your opportunity to explore that character, somebody who has you know, great interpersonal history with a bunch of the characters that are on there, has huge mytho- mythological history that hasn't been explored to its fullest potential. And it's just a great character to begin with, especially in the themes, you know, thematically, with you know, one of the big themes of the original Lost, of the real Lost, the only real lost is uh you know sons and their parents you know daughters and their mothers kids you know sons and their fathers and that whole dynamic and walt has one that we have seen play out on the show already so there's so much established backstory there you also know season six leaves you with why michael is not in the church at the end of the show is because he is still a ghost on the island and has not been able to move on which i've always thought was a brutally unfair ending for michael so i love the idea of starting with walt or at least having walt be an important figure in a second lost because you could potentially resolve that storyline uh at the very least i really hope that they would because i've always thought that that was a big load of bull yeah i agree and that's where you need your ghost busting business to come yes exactly so that's a very easy way to get miles and sawyer and albert back to the island walt just calls them up it's like hey i need you to help me bust my dad he's uh you know he's hanging around he's haunting me he's being very annoying i haven't really forgiven him for all the stuff he's done can you get him out of here or probably something a little nicer than that but that's a way to tie those characters back in well and vincent is still alive uh at the end of lost one right not at the beginning of lost two r.i.p vincent you famously said Yes, it's been several years. I think is Did you the idea. The uh, the dog. Do you have a new name for the for the new no. dog? Saint Vincent would be a funny Saint name, but <laughs> but no, I don't have a name for him. No, Saint Bernard. Name Saint after Bernard. Vincent's well, final caretaker. Yeah, Bernard also on the island, right? Still alive uh, at the end of at the end of Lost. Totally. So. 
yeah, you've got a lot of options. Yeah, lots of options there. So I thought that that was really fun. I'm sure that we will talk more Lost 2, potentially even in this podcast, but definitely a topic that I want to bring up over the course of Lost Lives Returns. Anything else on that before we shift over to some booze? No, I'm really excited to hear what others have to say. You you mentioned a writer's room. This is not a collaborative effort, even though uh, Mike and I did talk a little bit. But I, I'm, I'm very curious. I'm going in blind to what a lot of people will be doing on this, and uh, I really am very curious to see what other people's thoughts are because uh, we talk about serving many masters one of the issues with lost of course and i i think i expressed this to you in a in in, in a message was basically just like i i you feel a little bit of a mini lindelof panic because it's like how can you please everybody with the, uh, their own specific thing that they want for lost too that they have to see in a lost reboot whether it's a prequel whether it's a sequel whether it's a complete reimagining of the show uh i don't know it, it will be very interesting to me to see what other people's thought and here in comments and and online tweets whatever in the feedback to these podcasts what uh, what other people's desires for a loss to would include because i think they're so varied and i think they are myriad such that i understand the lindelof panic josh yeah. even in just creating one little scene you think that's fun i think it's a nightmare Oh, i love it i love that you felt panicked in composing this scene i thought that that was great yeah, well, I mean, it's just, I, I'm, I really, there's a lot of, there's the anxiety comes from not knowing what everyone would want and feeling the need to carry that burden just in even dipping your toe into the waters of just a little a bit of a podcast, a little bit of a podcast fanfic. You know, the lo- I, I have so much respect for uh, the lost community and the people that really have uh, just carried the torch for this show throughout the years that the, the last thing that anybody wants to do in, in terms of imagining that is cut some of it out. So I can't wait to see what other people have to say about things that they want in there because I, for me, Aaron, or for me, uh, Walt is a big one. Uh, there are other things that, that are major question marks, but, uh, you're right. The fathers and sons and the children and the people like that are, are major things. It's like they were, how would they be impacted by this crazy experience where they were on this Island and all these magical things were happening. And like, what, what stories would they hear? How did they grow up? And in Walt's case specifically, he knew about Anna Lucia and Libby. He disowned Michael. Like, this is major stuff, man, and that there's a lot to mine there. And the relationship between Ben and Walt could be a lot to mine because Ben is carrying around all that over Alex. And is Ben going to be a surrogate father to Michael or, or to Walt because Ben's upset about what happened with Michael? Right. And like, is there is there any of that? Like, there's a lot. Of, I feel like there's a lot of potential there. And in true Lost fashion, you can really get into the things that Lost did really well: relationships, the mystery on the island, the mystery with Walt, uh, and then flashbacks. I just think that there's a lot of potential there. So I'm really excited to see what other people uh, want to see out of a Lost. Team. Yeah. So we'll talk that through with everybody as they come through the revolving door here at Lost Lives Returns. Before we close the book on that, let me ask you something that I want to ask everybody as they come in here. Do you think that we will see another iteration of Lost at some point? You know what's crazy is when we first started these Lost Lives podcasts, you just you as I like to, as I like to say planted the flag and we're just positive that we would see Lost too. And I thought he's crazy, like we're not going to see Lost too. It was it didn't end in a very satisfying way. The numbers dwindled. Uh, people were very angry. Dwindled dwindle off people were very angry by and large it was a it was a thing of a place and a time and we're not going to see it now i'm positive that we're going to see it again positive positive yeah we're going to see it again some way shape or form we're going to see it again i'm positive and part of the reason i'm positive about that is we just see networks still 
every single season trying to recapture and recreate what's happened. The hero Nakamura of it all. Yes, the hero Nakamura of it all. Uh, I think heroes, look, heroes should have been a cautionary tale with that reboot for anybody that is seeking to reboot Lost, but maybe Lost would be better depending on the creative team involved. I don't know. But it, it just, I think it's inevitable at this point. All right, inevitable. So follow-up question. Plant your flag. When is it coming? And if you want to be specific about you have a year that you feel very good about or if it's more general and it's just I think it'll be here before 2020, you know, anything like that. Yeah. When did season six end? Was that 2010? When was it? I believe it was 2010. That's what I was trying to think. Was it 2010 or potentially 2011? So if it's 2010, I'd say 10 year anniversary, 2020. Yeah, it's 2010. Okay. Uh, 2020, so. you think that that would be the return of Lost? Yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're, we are a 2016 TV season right now. It's not in the works for that. I would think that if it was coming for 2017, we'd be hearing about it pretty soon. Give it a few years for some of these people's careers to really kind of hit the skids and so they can get a couple of the bigger names attached. I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, once I think uh, some colonies have broken up and other things Don't have happened. Don't will that into existence. I like colony. Oh, I wasn't talking about the show Colony. I was yeah, just talking yeah. about how actors may be spending their time. Fair like, enough. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, but I think, that's a, I think that's a part of it, too. I do think that you have to get a couple of the bigger names attached. And I think that there are people that you could bring into the story. Unfortunately, some of the people that, that should be working more, uh, I don't know, a guy, a guy, like, a guy like Terry O'Quinn. He hasn't really, I feel, I mean, he's worked, he's worked, but I feel like he hasn't, is he, is he ever done anything that's reaching the level of John Locke? Will he ever do it again? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but I think that if you look at his career, he deserves to have that level of success. And I've just seen him bouncing around on TV shows, uh, uh, here and there with some guest roles or some shows that get canceled or some actual like 666 Park Avenue, for example, like, that felt like a lost knockoff to me. And I just see these other things that he's in, and I'm like, man, you just get this guy back on Lost. But unfortunately, he's the guy that would be one of the harder ones to write back into the show. Yeah, that'd be so tough to, to write back in. But that leads to the next question that I would have for you is, who is a must if Lost were to return? Who is somebody, and let's say somebody we haven't talked about yet, uh, who is a must include if Lost were to come back? Somebody that they absolutely could not do the show without. Interesting, because I would have said I would have said Michael Emerson, uh, but that's somebody that we've talked about. So, um, hmm, maybe it is Terry O'Quinn. Like maybe it's John Locke. Maybe he's the the constant the constant lost. Like maybe he's the thing that you associate with the show, and you need that show to know that everything. You need him in the show to know that everything's going to be all right. Maybe it's maybe it's early. Uh, we didn't really talk about him a ton. We mentioned him, but I think if you're going to reboot the show in such a way that you're going to take off from where the show was. I think you have to have Hurley. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's the kind of guy where like you could be hearing a lot about Hugo, this mysterious Hugo in the cabin in the woods in the middle of the jungle or anything and like you could get away with not having Jorge Garcia on the show for a while, but I feel like he's probably one of those people that you can't get away with not having on the show at all. Yeah, I just uh, the, the the thing is I I don't I don't think you need I, – I think the easier thing is I think there are a couple that you don't need. I don't think well, you need Well, that was going to be my next question is uh, not even who do you not need, but who is a please, no, don't. Uh, oh. like, who, who do we not want to have back? Boone and Shannon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, very timely <laughs> reference considering Emily and I are about to recap Hearts and Minds. 
Yeah, Boone and Shannon. Uh, wow, have fun with that. Um, it's gonna be great. I'm very excited. Have fun going to Sydney and paying people to <laughs> not marry your sister. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't want Boone and Shannon. I, I don't think you need Jack. It's not a don't want. I just think we're done with that. I don't think we need him. I don't think we need any more. I, I just, I, there are some stories that were, that were underdeveloped. I would have loved to have known more, obviously, about Mr. Echo or about Libby, uh, or about some of the characters that felt like they were killed in an untimely fashion. Of course, I love Desmond, and I would love to see Desmond and Juliet uh, and Penny and a lot of these characters back in the show. Daniel Faraday would be amazing. Uh, but I feel like you have to have Michael Emerson and you have to have Hurley in some way, shape, or form if you're going to jump off from where they left the story with Hurley as protector of the island and Ben as his number two. I think it's a great jumping off point. I think it's actually a lot more open than it seems at first glance because there are enough people out first here in the wilderness, first glanders. I think it's there. So, oh, look at you. That's sneaky. Yep. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of opportunity there, but I think you have to have those two as your jumping off point. All right. What so about Saeed? Do we need Saeed? Yeah, there is no Saeed. <sighs> I know. There is no Saeed. I mean, I need Saeed. I don't know if Lost 2 needs Saeed. That's a question for another day. All right. So let's move on from Lost 2 again. Probably it will pop up again throughout our conversation. Maybe not. Maybe it will. But let's talk about some booze. And as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, at the top of our conversation, that this was really the idea that came to mind when I was thinking about, like, all right, want to bring people back for Lost Lives, want to have conversations in the middle of every podcast about a different topic every time. McCutcheon and Antonio Mazzaro just felt like a natural pairing to me. Thank you. I mean, I, I love that. I love that I'm associated with like the highest of the high, the uh, Scottish Johnny Walker red label. Like this is uh, this is amazing. Like it, it, it's so weird. But you because... just feel like you're the McCutcheon podcast guy and it's not close. Like that just seems like a slam dunk pairing to me. I like your sportsing. I like that. I like that. You're slam dunking. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have that expensive taste, but I understand it. And I have sampled the expensive whiskeys of the world. I've not had McCutcheon 60. I wish it were real. I would go, I would go find a way to get some right now. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, we talked a ton on our justified podcast, obviously about the bourbon history of Kentucky bourbon being a type of whiskey. And, uh, it, it is something that really, I think in lost as well well as in Justified, becomes a character note for a lot of people, not just uh, what their taste in, in, in whiskey or liquor is, but when and how they choose to imbibe it. I think that that comes up a lot with McCutcheon on Lost. I, I think it's hilarious to me that McCutcheon is one of these things that doesn't exist in the real world and yet has popped up now, Josh, on several other television shows, right? It was on Fringe. Uh, I think it was on Once Upon a Time, I heard uh, the tale of that. I've not watched Once Upon a time so i don't i don't know how it but came into play that's adam horowitz and eddie kitsis who are writers on lost forever are the guys who are in charge of once upon a time so of course you're going to see that in the same way that you're going to see walter white's blue crystal meth pop up on another amc show uh like that's just something that's really fun and easter eggy to do for sure yeah and of course it was on fringe because of the bad robot connections right. and uh, there's a lot of shared dna there uh but there uh, it's just really fun because yeah, I'm sure it comes up on those shows. I know it came up on Fringe, and it was William Bell that was involved, and that was like a, a really high-class thing. William Bell definitely drank McCutcheon. Exactly, right? 100%. So that makes perfect sense. Uh, so I'm sure it comes up on Once Upon a Time in the same way, that you can actually use it to say, this is a rare thing. This is a character note, or this is a thing where 
I'm making a very clear statement to you that you're worthy or not worthy of this. And it's fascinating because the main hook on McCutcheon, of course, in Lost is that same kind of thing where Charles Widmore is pouring Desmond a glass after Desmond has implied he wants to marry Penny. Widmore sets out to pour two. He, he gets two glasses out, Josh. Two really nice crystal glasses. Starts telling the story of 60-year-old McCutcheon. Talks about Admiral uh, and Anderson McCutcheon and how uh, he had this great life, but this whiskey was his crowning achievement. It's worth more in one little sip than Desmond will make in a month. And, and Widmore does not pour the second glass and basically says you're not worthy of you're this. not worthy of a sip of mccutcheon that is a yeah. pretty harsh indictment of the man who has come asking for this guy's uh daughter's hand in marriage right and then it's fascinating because that that is a trigger for desmond of course the, the trigger is that there is a 60 year old bottle of mccutcheon on the island in sawyer's stash that charlie and uh, hurley are going through and they find it and their plan is to get desmond drunk on it so that they can figure out what is his deal how has he been seeing things such that he can set up a, a lightning, a, like a like a lightning pole, or uh, set up some kind of a situation where he is saving Claire from drowning when no one even know that was right happening. when he's in the middle of the jungle and he's like, "Yeah, I heard her," and they're like, "Yeah, we are miles away from the ocean, buddy. How yeah. did you do?" That? Your hearing must be awesome, dude. Yes. Yeah, well, it is awesome because it can go through space and time. Yes, no, he has uh, unparalleled hearing. Yes, yeah, he really does. So, yeah, I just and it's a, it's a great trigger because he sees that bottle and he's like, hmm, well, that's really weird. But it's also something that they, they rightly, I think, find good ways to use throughout the rest of the series. And it's in similar ways. So later we see Widmore has taken this, I'm going to put this bottle, I'm going to put this bottle in my office and I'm going to pour it out for special occasions. And when we see Ben come to his bedroom in the shape of things to come, things are screwed up to the point where he's got that bottle next to his bed. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shoot. So he's taking in his super expensive like crowning achievement of someone's life 60 year old whiskey and instead of being a ceremonial thing where he's pouring it out for uh, to rub sand and penny's potential suitors faces wow. he's sleeping next to it now like what is going on with this widmore guy that he's sleeping next to his super expensive whiskey and i think that they get a lot of mileage out about of that there's that's obviously not the only time it but shows that, up that's show. a, that's a great comparison too i mean when you're thinking about desmond when you see him for the first time since he leaves at the start of season two he comes back at the end of season two drunk out of his mind he's just been boozing like crazy and in flashes before your eyes which is the episode that you've been referencing a lot the first appearance of McCutcheon, I believe, is, you know, he's getting, you know, all liquored up on McCutcheon. And that's just kind of a character note for Desmond. When you think about Desmond and you think about who the best boozers on Lost are, and that might be an interesting conversation to have in a few minutes, uh, Desmond rises very high to the top of the list, uh, if not number one. Uh, and to have Widmore sort of be following him in his footsteps in that way of a guy who now has a bottle of McCutcheon at his, you know, night table, you know, his nightstand. Uh, uh, really following this guy that he has admonished previously in one of his most recent appearances. I think that's a really cool connection. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that that, so they, they do a great job of that. Uh, and of course it comes back in the flash sideways. Desmond is actually working for Widmore in the flash sideways, which is a nice tribute clearly to the fact that Widmore was going to give Desmond a, a just a low lying administrative job as a favor to Penny before he realized that Desmond was asking for a hand in marriage in flashes before your eyes. In that flash sideways, Desmond is working for Widmore and in the office, they're just, they're just pounding 60 year old McCutcheon. 
mansion and they're celebrating Life's good in the sideways. They're celebrating how awesome Desmond is and how valuable he truly is. And it, I criticize the flash sideways fairly all we want and we will, and we do. But I think that that's a really, you talk about connections. That's clearly what they're going for. There is a connection to flashes before your eyes where Widmore has said, you're not worthy of marrying my daughter. You're not vital. You have really no, no real impact in the world. And Desmond is even told in that episode. He's told by Eloise Hawking, pushing the button is the most significant thing you're ever going to do. Uh, but seeing the flash sideways, he, he's indispensable. He's like totally valuable to the organization. And I think that that's really, uh, I think that's a really nice character note with the McCutcheon being the connective tissue there. Before, he wasn't even worthy of a glass. Now, you work for me and I'm going to give you a glass to show you that and to, to celebrate how truly worthy that you are. So I think that that's really, I think that's really a nice note that they use there in the Flash Sideways, which the Flash Sideways universe does a lot of that, obviously, but that's a, this is a one that, that is connected with McCutcheon for sure. That's pretty cool too as sort of a totem, you know, using McCutcheon as sort of like the physical object that represents this dysfunctional relationship between Desmond and Charles Widmore. As we talked about earlier, you know, all the best cowboys have daddy issues. That is a theme on Lost, you know, from basically every character, whether it's the most famous example of Jack and Christian Shepard or, you know, James Ford and what happened to his parents actually being killed by another man he has pseudo daddy issues with, which ends up being Locke's actual father. Like, that's very rich stuff that's baked in all throughout Lost. And I think with Desmond, Desmond isn't a character where you hear much about his actual parents. But in his own way, Charles Widmore is a bad father. You know, he's a, he's a bad paternal figure. He's somebody that he is trying to impress, trying to win over someone he would really like to, in a traditional way, like, you know, without having to go through all sorts of ups and downs and obstacle courses and dodging bullets fired off by this guy, he would like to actually be Charles Widmore's son-in-law in a very basic, straightforward way. And that doesn't really happen. And I think that you really get the distinction of good cowboy versus bad cowboy in a moment like this. And that really epic scene of Charles Woodmore just like drowning down that really small shot of McCutcheon and offering Desmond none in return. I think that's a really cool totem of that really pervasive idea throughout Lost. Yeah, well, representing it as a totem, it doesn't just apply to Desmond and Charles Widmore. Uh, another famous poor of McCutcheon by a father is made to an actual son, not a would-be one. And that is Anthony Cooper pouring John Locke a glass of McCutcheon when John Locke in The Man from Tallahassee has asked Anthony Cooper to skip town, to not pull off a con, to not get involved uh, with the wedding, to call off all these things that he's sniffing out. Um, they're on uh, an eight story window uh, building uh, that becomes very almost immediately dangerous for John Locke when Anthony Cooper pours him a glass of 60-year-old McCutcheon as his father and is saying, you're right, I'm gonna, I'm calling it off, I'm getting out of town, and then he shoves John Locke out the window. Right, and I mean, like, that's a great way to disarm somebody. Like, I mean, for at least for the audience of like, oh, well, John Locke's father, Anthony Cooper, is pouring Locke this, you know, glass of, of whiskey that we now know is incredibly, incredibly expensive, so he must really be taking John seriously. Oh, wait, no, he just pushed him out a window. Yep. Like, I just feel like it really sets you up for the, for the push that's to come, uh, uh, just a minute later. 
Yes, that's the shape of things to come. Yes. Uh, it truly is. No, it is, uh, you're right. And it, it, but as a totem, you're right. As this thing that had the show has already introduced as this representative thing, as a thing where, uh, the would be father in law is saying to his son, you're not worthy, uh, or would be son, you're not worthy of drinking this. You're never going to be worthy of drinking it. You're worthy of an empty glass. You're not worthy of my daughter. Anthony Cooper, true con man, right, is handing John Locke a glass and saying, John, please have this really expensive drink right before he shoves him out a window. So in, it's not only a, a great character note for the father and son relationship there, but it's a great character note for Anthony Cooper being just such a scumbag con man uh, in, you know, ripping John Locke off to the bitter end, really, Anthony Cooper, and shoving him out the window right after he hands him the whiskey. So that is a, that is a, a well-carried-through note in, in, in all the ways, in the expensive thing. Thing in, in in the father and son thing and then the way it reflects on Anthony Cooper's cons as a whole. It shows up in other times on the show, McCutcheon. Uh, I think that Saeed is drinking it in a bar uh, in, in, in the U.S. at some point. I don't remember what episode that is, uh, but I know that he drinks it at some point. And I, uh, I know that it's visible in other times in the show, but those, those are two huge character notes for sure or character moments with McCutcheon are the moments between the fathers and there, there would be sons or their sons uh, as proper i think one of the things too you know it kind of pulling the the lens back from just mccutcheon but to alcohol overall is a really actually kind of underratedly important part of lost or at least it's something that is used to reveal character uh i think back to the moment of i never that sawyer and kate play in the jungle uh that's a great iconic season one scene it's a really good scene that reveals a lot about both people of i never killed a man and kate drinks and then he drinks he's like yeah i have you know uh uh, there's just lots of great information that's revealed through booze. I mean, looking at the arc of Jack overall, uh, honestly, not something that they could have really imagined building in from the beginning, I'm sure. But he is one of the first things that we ever see from him in that first episode in his flashback to Oceanic 815 before it crashes. Is he asks Cindy, the flight attendant, for an extra bottle because yeah. his drink is not strong enough. That is retroactively, I think, going to foreshadow the fact that Jack himself is going to become something of a drunk later on down the line Clear. well and that's christian shepherd getting fired yep. for being drunk and having the issue during surgery and right. that's your that's directly your cowboys have daddy issues episode so yeah. that is you're right that is a big thing there are there are i mean there's a lot of the connections between characters that happen randomly sawyer uh, often drunk in a bar and meeting people like christian shepherd right uh, turning up in bars so there's those connections as well yeah, and I think, you know, just there's moments of levity, too, with with drinking on Lost, you know, not just the I Never thing, but also in an episode that I have championed a lot on Lost Lives. It's been a little while, so I'll refresh your memory. Trisha Tanaka is dead, one of my favorite episodes of Lost by far, and that has a really hilarious scene between Sawyer and Jin drinking this ancient Dharma beer in the yes. middle of the jungle, and, you know, Jin learning some English about how to apologize to Sun that just doesn't does not make you look fat, you know, things, things like that. So there have been very, very, you know, many ways that alcohol has been implemented on the show. And I think thematically ideas of addiction, that's very, very strong on the show, certainly through the Charlie character, but I think underratedly through Jack. Um, and even just to go back to an episode that Emily and I talked about last week, Abby Turno is yes. the entirety of Lost is being explained through an alcoholic metaphor uh, right. of, you know, Jacob 
presenting Richard Alpert with this bottle of wine that has a cork in it and saying this cork is the only thing keeping this red wine maleficence from pouring out into the world, from spilling out into the universe. That's the significance of this island. Uh, so really the best explanation we ever get for what the island is is a cork in a bottle of wine keeping some awful disaster from spilling out all over the place. Yeah, so, that- so I think beyond McCutcheon, I think that alcohol has been uh, a very fruitful you know, item, uh, a way of exploring a lot of the themes on Lost. That must have been Franzia in that bottle. Uh, some awful thing <laughs> some from Carlo escape. Rossi. Yeah. yeah, no, Carlo Rossi's good. What hey, listen, talking? I love Carlo Rossi. Yeah, Paisano's my, but... Paisano's my jam. Man. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, but I, you're right. It's not. It, it is. It is a interesting. I wouldn't say milieu, but because uh, it's not really a setting, but it's it's an interesting thing that is used. Uh, keeping in mind, of course, that Roger Linus was a drunk. Uh, just like Christian Shepherd, and that Ben and Jack are very different people on the island, but they have similar stories in terms of their daddy issues, and they both have drunk dads whose ghosts may or may not be people that are on the island or that are ha- haunting them and the decisions that they've made throughout their in- their interactions. So that is something that that not only has it does it serve great things in moments, but it does provide these great links between characters when you realize that okay. Ben's dad was a drunk. Jack's dad was a drunk. How did it impact the both of them? What choices did they make? What are they trying to do or not do to not be like their parents? Uh, ben obviously took very drastic steps uh, in, in regards to how to respond to his father's alcoholism. But there is that there for sure. And I think that that's great. You're right, Desmond, too. Huge drunk, right, on laws. He's, he's drinking in his boat. He's drinking in the hatch. He's drinking in the woods. He's drinking everywhere. Desmond, a, a huge imbibe of alcohol he smells like the pub josh yes he does always that's his cologne yes it's like eau de pub yeah pub by desmond <laughs> yeah so there are a lot of great uh, connections there and the the of course the the top of it really is the mccutcheon uh because of the the way that it, it provides these character notes i think the Saeed one is Saeed is, 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 I think it's in season five. Saeed, and I don't remember the name of the episode, but Saeed is, it's the story of Saeed. It's, is it he, he's are you? The, the story where Saeed is, you're realizing everything that he's done off the island and you see him as a child and all this stuff. And I think in that story, he's meeting Alana off the island and they're drinking McCutcheon together. Right, right. Uh, and then she kicks his ass and brings him back to the island. Exactly. Thanks, so, Alana. Yeah, thanks, Alana. You had a, a huge role to play in this story, obviously. Uh, but yeah, maybe that's somebody, somebody else that needs to be revisited for no. Lost. I'm sure, I'm sure people love that idea, right? No, please no, yeah. don't. Yeah, so that isn't He's Are You. I just looked it up. So Please yeah. No Don't is the uh, He's Are You follow-up. It's a side flashback <laughs> on Lost 2. Yikes, that's terrifying. Yes. Please No Don't is is not an episode I want to see. In uh, context so. with Saeed, the torturer. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> please No Don't. He's Are You. Please No Don't. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Yeah, so there are. I mean, there's 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 Dharma beer, as you mentioned. There's Dharma wine. Uh, there's Dharma rum. There's just. I love that. I love that idea. But I also love that you've got this other connection to McCutcheon, which isn't a Dharma thing, which connects to the outside world and represents the high life. It, whether it's uh, McCollin, uh, the Dharma the high life is that one of the brands of beer that they have out there? Yes, it is. It's the, the champagne, champagne of, of Dharma, Dharma beers. beers. Yes. yes, exactly. So I like that. I really do like that, and uh, I think that. One of the great things that a show like Lost does when it comes to world building is you've got these sort of little things like McCutcheon that pop up that can be that can be totems, that can be metaphors that represent a lot that you can then 
sample in throughout the context of the series, whether it's four or five, six times, whatever it is. And then when it comes up, you instantly remember and recognize, oh, that's the expensive stuff. Okay, I got it. On Justified, it was real-world bourbon Pappy Van Winkle. That was something that came up a lot where every time they brought it back up, you're like, oh, that's the good stuff. So the fact that that person's mixing it with Coke, that means that they're they're really not refined. They're a terrible person. Right. Uh, so if, if somebody is McCutcheon taking... McCutcheon and Pepsi would be like the worst drink anyone could make. Exactly. McCutcheon and Crystal Pepsi uh, uh, in a bleh. crystal glass. Blair. Yeah. Blair, Stragoy. Yeah. Stragoy. So, yeah, that, that would, but I mean, that would be something you could do with McCutcheon. You could say, uh, here's this unrefined guy pouring some Pepsi into it or pouring some Dharma Cola into it. And then you could realize, like, this guy is it's just a, he's a terrible person. Or like, someone no, so, like, well off that, like, to do that means nothing. Exactly. Like, that's what they do. They're just so spent. Like, they're so great. Maybe, maybe that would be Boone's mom. Like, maybe that would be <laughs> for her. You know, I don't know. Yeah. She runs a really successful wedding business, Josh. She does. I'm not sure. Heard you're going to gonna hear all about it, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. Know. We're going to talk about that. So, but yeah, I love that. I, I love that the world building includes not only not only their own branded stuff, the Dharma stuff, but something like McCutcheon, which is made up, but it seems real enough that it's like you can understand right away what they're talking about. Should we try and do our top eight lost boozers on the board? Oh, my gosh. This is tough. I, I mean, mean, it's just spontaneous, so it's not going to be a perfect list. Yeah, okay, so go for it. Uh, so how do we do this? Do we start with number eight or do we start with number one? Uh, let's start with let's start with number one. We'll work our way. Uh, who who do we think is like the decisive top boozer on Lost? Is it is it Desmond? Well, this is the thing. It's Desmond or Jack, right? Well, Jack gets over alcoholism so fast. So like you know, like, that's why he's good at it. With Josh. like magical ability, like he's instantly back in the game, and suddenly like no tremors, no shakes, no nothing, not even a mention of needing a drop of booze. He's just good. Yeah. Well, we uh, didn't we get an email about that. I feel like we had some feedback wondering like how is how is Jack's recuperative powers like on you know from addiction. He just pulls right out of it. Yeah. This is from Michael Eels. And Michael said, uh, if he, Charlie had two seasons and it took him to get over heroin. Jack easily comes, overcomes his addictions in season five. As soon as Ben flushes drugs down the toilet, completely forgotten about, never comes back again. Jack seems to go back to normal. And uh, yeah, Jack is this guy who could just shake this stuff off. But I feel like that makes him a really good boozer, Josh. It makes him a pretty good boozer. But that being said, I think that you could explain how did he get over his alcoholism when he got back to the island, sort of with the same island magic mojo voodoo that john Locke is suddenly able to walk again i think he gets back it's like all right let's take that off the table so you can get to work uh i think that the island has a tendency to do that for some people well is, jack, he, is that jack, is that because jack is awesome that he is not having any sort of lingering side effects or is it because he's getting an assist from jacob perhaps yeah and jack wasn't a big drinker on the island that's the other thing right is that he he has that extra bottle from cindy as we've talked about uh but then he's immediately using that to sterilize wounds yeah. right so he's not saving it to drink or or hoarding it like uh like charlie would with drugs uh he is he is ultimately doing that now off island jack pretty big drinker uh and he's got the daddy issues that, that show that his dad is a big drinker but on island and obviously post island when they've escaped from the island the first time uh the oceanic six that jack is is just a wet 
drunk as we're talking about. But then he gets back and well, he's also know. like a real stealth drinker too, you know. And he's like uh, seeing Hurley in the highway chase, yeah. uh, and he's just like very casually mixing some vodka into his orange juice, and he's about to set off for work for the day. So yep. I mean, he's like probably if we're talking about like top alcoholics on the board, uh, Jack like father like son. I think maybe dangerous to get into the field of top boozers on well, no, the board. Who else are the candidates? Frank well, Lapidus is a big drinker. Well, I was going to say, I'd like to pivot away from it maybe and talk about like who would be fun to have a beer with or like a glass of McCutcheon with. Like who Lapidus. would be fun guys? And I feel like Lapidus is pretty high on the list. Maybe, maybe let's hope that he has no flights on the schedule anytime soon, but get him away from an airplane. Maybe he's just come off of a long flight back from Guam and he is now in the airport bar and you happen to come upon Frank Lapidus. I feel like that would be a good time at the bar. I feel like Frank Lapidus would have a lot of stories and a lot of funny one-liners for you. Yeah, can we talk about Across the Sea? I know it's a beloved episode. Uh, doesn't doesn't uh, C.J. Craig, doesn't uh, Allison Janney, mother, doesn't she make Jacob drink a little wine when she's telling him he's going to be the protector of the island? I, so I buy it. I believe I'm it. Not, I'm, I don't want to share a drink with her, that's for sure. You don't want to uh, be the protector of the island. That's, that's I, Yeah, I don't want to be ritualized into some life choice. Like, I, that's not, I mean, I realize that like that, I, I say that having been raised Catholic, but uh, so I was ritualized via drinking wine into a life choice. That's the blood of christ though that's clearly different uh but yeah there i don't want to drink with her um i do i think that that would it would be fun to play i never on the island i'm not sure i want to be in that game though because you're in the game with murderers yeah i don't want to be in i never with sawyer and kate i think that would be too intense but hurley would be a great i never i would enjoy playing i never with hurley who else would be fun well, you mentioned uh, you, we talked about flashes before your eyes. The scene where Hurley and Charlie and Desmond are getting liquored up on the beach. That looks like a really fun time. Yeah, it looks good until it takes a dark turn. Well, they're drinking McCutcheon straight out of the bottle, which is, of course, another kind of fun note because Desmond has been recently refu- or previously refused the glass of it, uh, and now he wants to drink it straight out of the bottle. Right. So it, it's like I, I have no time for refinement when it comes to this whiskey. Desmond's not associating, you know, assigning it the same value that Woodmore would, especially on the island. He's just pounding it, and that looks like a lot of fun in the moment. It does turn dark, but it does look fun. Uh, and you're right, the the Trisha Tanaka, the the beer scene is just great hurley and gin and everything in the van it's just awesome sawyer when he's not being a total jerk would be fun you know that could be fun but i would also be very nervous that some sort of con was going on but him being as good at the confidence scheme as he is i probably wouldn't know and so i would still have a very fun time until at least maybe the next morning yeah, and there you could you could you're you're in dangerous you're in dangerous territory. You're in danger, girl. Yeah, you're in danger, girl. Yeah, because some bad things could happen for sure. I mean, he could get into one of those modes where he's just listening to punk rock, like laying on the floor, just mad at himself in the world. So you don't really want to deal with that version of Sawyer. Uh, you want to deal with the fun Sawyer for sure. Fun Sawyer is the ideal Sawyer. Uh, maybe Miles could be fun. You think? I don't know. I don't know. I've come around on Miles. I've come. Yeah, he'd be like, yeah, I see a ghost over there. Yeah, yeah you're hammered, just, dude. You're not seeing any he's ghosts. He's just hanging out. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. I think that this, you know, we don't have anything formal prepared, but maybe that's a fun conversation for another day. It's like, who would you really want to hang out with and have a drink? Nothing too serious, just like a so beer or just, two. You're saying we're electing them for president. Though, yeah. <laughs> <of that laughs> no. Stop, stop, stop. Strigoi, Strigoi, I just really want to have a beer with that yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, I, I mean, they, there's, there's just the... 
there's just a lot of the problem is there's just so much danger. Like you could get drunk with Daniel Faraday, but then you're going to get into the these long discussions about metaphysics, and you're going to start questioning your own place in the universe pretty quickly. And that's not a, the thing I want to ask. Yeah, I'm not really up for that. Yeah, so that's the problem is that every one of these people, because their characters on Lost, have a lot of issues, and so the more drunk they get, the more problematic it's going to become. I think so. Anything else about McCutcheon, booze, anything having to do with that and Lost before we sign out of this part of the podcast? Yeah, Boone has a really good liquor that I like. He's got a Boone's Farm. That's a really good one. <laughs> should I be on the lookout for that as I'm about to dive into Hearts and Minds? Uh, you really should. Uh, look out for Boone's Farm. Strawberry one is the best one. But yeah, you, you talk about a nice fine wine. Oh, That'll nice. Check. That sounds really good. I will look into Boone's part of the, Farm. Part of, part of the wedding line, I think. Isn't that where they sent Boone to? Didn't he go to the farm? Yes. Yeah, he can run all day and play. Yeah. He's very happy that's where what we he told, is. That's what we told Shannon, right? Hey, Shannon, your brother, uh, listen, he's gone. He went to the farm. He went to the farm. It's fine. He's with a bunch of dogs that we all had as kids. Polar bears. Polar bears there. Yeah, uh, farmers that John Locke knows. Yeah, Vincent is there after the events of Lost One. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> a lot of time travel going on there. Do you have, before we sign out here and before Emily and I start talking about hearts and minds, do you have any hot Boone and Shannon takes? Obviously, you don't want them anywhere near Lost Two, so I guess it would boil down to Strigoi. No, yeah, it's Strigoi, ultimately. Except I do, I'm curious because that episode... Uh, I, I, it's right in the midst of the weird whatever it is. You talk about fathers and sons, whatever it is between Locke and Boone, that, that, that relationship, whatever that is, in that episode, I, some crazy stuff goes down. Like oh, yeah. Locke is tying him up. You know, in the jungle and being like, oh, figure it out, buddy. And this is I so I can't wait to hear what, what you and Emily have to say about John Locke's behavior vis a vis Boone, because that relationship is so weird to me. Very weird. I'm really looking forward to Emily's takes on that episode. I think it's a good trashy, gossipy episode to watch. Yes. I think I think it'll be yes. <laughs> the Real Housewives of Sydney. <laughs> yes, I think it'll be really fun. All right. Hashtag for this segment of the podcast. I have please no don't. Uh, I have Pub by Desmond, and I have Dwindleoff. Dwindleoff is great. Dwindleoff is good. That's that's your official choice. Yeah, I, because we have. I'm shocked we haven't said that before. All right. So Dwindleoff is the hashtag for this section with Antonio. Antonio is on Twitter at AC Mazzaro. How many Z's? How many R's? Two Z's, one R. Antonio, what else are you doing? We've talked about the fact that we're doing some Mr. Robot podcasting. Yeah, we're crushing it on the Mr. Robot right now, and that's that's where our focus is on post-show recaps other than the Lost Lives uh, right now. Things things will develop over time, but this is what we're focusing on right now. All right, so we're talking about Mr. Robot elsewhere on post-show recaps. If you want to hear more from me and Antonio, that is where we are. You can subscribe to that podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash Mr. Robot iTunes. That's it for Antonio here on Lost Lives Returns for now, at least. Antonio, this was a ton of fun. I really appreciate all your insight into the theoretical but probably inevitable Lost 2 and also all of your deep cut knowledge on the booze of it all. Yeah, let's play I Never, Josh. I Never podcasted about The Strain Season 2. Yeah, I just took a drink and (laughs) I hope that I will always be able to drink when you ask a question like that. Same. Cheers, my friend. All right, cheers. Bye, Antonio. Bye-bye. All right.
right, and that is Shannon and Boone's theme song playing us out of our conversation with Antonio Mazzaro and back into the rewatch aspect of this podcast with Emily Fox. Beautiful music from Michael Giacchino. Oh, it gives you lots of feelings. I really, really love that piece. Gives you lots of feelings. Is uh, is it is it a piece that's worthy of Boone and Shannon, or should it be like a lesser piece because Boone and Shannon are kind of stinky? Well, I mean, it sort of starts out where you're like, well, this sounds like all the other lost music. So you're like, eh, all right. But then it has a little bit of complexity and depth that I really enjoy. They all have similar threads. You can always tell it's a Giacchino oh, piece. yeah, totally. You yeah. Can. So it's always it's always good stuff. Uh, Boone and Shannon didn't even realize that they merited a theme. But, of course, every character, pretty much if you're a major-ish character, you got some Michael Giacchino love. All right. Well, speaking of love, we're going to segue out of our conversation with Antonio. We were talking about... McCutcheon, uh, Charles Widmore's favorite whiskey, and Desmond's favorite whiskey because Charles Widmore made it seem like such an out-of-reach prize, so he drank a bunch. And as we were talking, as Antonio and I were talking about booze, Emily, in the, in the spirit of lost and booze, we had a tragedy. We had a tragedy in our household since, uh, since we hit pause on, on the recording before we started watching Hearts and Minds, didn't we, Emily? It had nothing to do with booze, though. Well, it's supposed to contain booze. Yeah, it's a beverage container, if you will. All right, so if you guys remember, if you listened to Lost Lives Returns number one during my conversation with Joe Garfine, I mentioned that I have a bunch of Dharma beer glasses, or at least I used to have a bunch of Dharma beer glasses. Uh, It came down to basically just one Dharma beer glass left because they were all so fragile, they were all so flimsy, we only had one left. Guys, the last remaining Dharma beer glass died last night. I feel really bad about it. It's my fault. All right. So can you, because actually Emily and I, it it happened. I got very, very sad about it. We haven't talked about it and we're talking about it now for the first time. What happened? What happened to my Dharma beer glass? So it was next to the sink on the countertop, just waiting to be cleaned. And I went to refill my Camelback water bottle for the night. And I went to take the top off of the Camelback and the straw came out of the top of it. The straw that broke the Camelback? I, I, or, or the Dharma glass, rather. <laughs> but it just fell and, like, ran, like, it, it kind of skidded across the counter really quickly. And, like, I went to reach for it and I kind of, like, punched the glass in a weird way and it broke. I heard glass shatter because I was standing across from you cleaning out dinner and putting dinner away. And I just heard glass shatter. I was like, oh, God, that doesn't sound great. And then I heard Emily go, oh, no. And I was like, uh oh, this is something either she really likes or I really like. And I turned around. And it was the death of my Dharma glass, and I just I couldn't form words. I was so sad. I'm really sorry about it. We really didn't talk about it. We went to bed pretty quietly. Um, but it wasn't like I was pissed off. No, and obviously it wasn't my intention to break it either. It's a great glass. I mean, when we had all of them, they were excellent drinking glasses. Um, I was just so sad. I just I couldn't form words. I know. I felt really awful about it. In fact, like if you look on my Google search on my phone, I looked for like so many replacement glasses. Don't spoil the surprise. Am I getting replacement glasses? I haven't found anything that looks exactly like them yet so no tbd tbd all right well that was the death of my final dharma beer glass r.i.p dharma glass that was very sad but we are in okay spirits because at least we're still talking about lost at least we are talking about lost with booze with antonio that was very fun and now we are talking about lost with boone we go from booze (laughs) we go from booze to what a a clever segue josh we go from booze to boone as we are talking about 
Hearts and Minds, episode 13 of season one, Boone flashback episode, Emily Fox, before the break, when we were generating random episodes of Lost, you were very sad that the early season episodes were not cropping up. Here we go. We landed on a mid-season one episode. Were you happy to go back to the days of Lost season one? Absolutely. I think that that's the foundation that created the show, and that's what makes it so special and beautiful is you're uncovering these really crazy scenarios and learning about each and every character, and that's what makes the show so great is the character development, the beautiful music, sort of like being stuck on an island and uncovering all of these different aspects, all these whys and question marks and, and, you know, strings. No, the question mark was revealed in season two. That's a, a later episode. Yeah, 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 whatever. You you know what I'm saying, though. I know what you're saying. I totally agree. And I think that, you know, just in this episode alone, I think Hearts and Minds, I was calling it kind of a trashy episode. There's a trashy moment in the episode, and the flashbacks are kind of trashy. But I feel like this episode, you think about Hearts and Minds, and you're like, oh, the Boone episode. And you're not exactly pumped to watch the Boone episode. You would think that you could skip past the Boone episode if you were doing a rewatch, and you probably could. Nothing monumentally massive happens in in the episode, but there's lots of great little character interactions that I tend not to even think about when I think of hearts and minds. I'm guilty of this. I just think like, oh, this is the episode where Boone and Shannon make out and it's very awkward. But there's like Jack hanging out with Kate, Jack and Saeed hanging out, Hurley and Jin with the fish and the yeah, sea urchin. Yeah. I feel like this is the first episode that I've seen in a long, long time where I'm like, okay, Jack's checking in with everyone. He seems pretty cool, like pretty genial man. Looking for guava seeds. Yeah, yeah. helpful and all levels hurley and Jin, uh their exchange is hysterical but so great and sort of heartwarming and lighter for the rest hearts of- and minds warming yes and then <laughs> i would say um other than that you're kind of uncovering what Locke is all about too because everyone knows like you know this guy's been kind of sniffing around what's going on with that but he really has these intentions that come into play especially in this episode i feel Yeah, so to set up what this episode is for people who haven't seen Hearts and Minds in a long time, this takes place midway through season one of Lost. I think it is the second episode back from a decently lengthy break when the show is airing in real time. It is the episode immediately following whatever the case may be, which is the second Kate flashback episode, which I have maligned on Lost Lives in the past because that episode sucks. Uh, I think it's one of the bottom tier episodes of Lost for sure, but even that episode has a moment or two that's worthwhile But the point we are in in the story right now is this is not long after Charlie and Claire got kidnapped by Ethan Rom, and Claire is still missing, and Charlie was found hanging in the jungle by Jack and Kate, and they rescued him. Locke and Boone were part of the search party as well, but they found something else. They found the hatch, Emily. They found the hatch in the ground. They have now since dedicated their time to unearthing the hatch and trying to figure out what the hatch is all about. They are telling everyone everybody that they are looking for a wild boar. They're trying to hunt for Chingali, Emily. <laughs> yes. Chingali. Uh, so they are looking for wild boar, but they are secretly actually excavating the hatch. Nobody really knows what they're up to. Everybody knows that they are spending all of their time with each other. Jack makes the joke that Locke and Boone are attached at the hip. And then Locke looks at his hip. He says, nope, no Boone. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really interesting perspective, too, from all the other characters being like, why are these two guys hanging out together? Like, what's to gain from this? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, what do what do Boone and Locke have in yeah, common? And like, I'm sure Locke is just like, hmm, my precious. Like, I'll figure out what to do with you. Whoa! What do you mean by that? What is he? What is he angling for with Boone? No, I just feel like he's probably like some sort of like anchor in like a broader idea of Locke, just like using people for different reasons. You know what I mean? I think the thing with Locke is, you know, he sees potential in people, and whether that's you know good potential or lack of potential or negative potential, I think that he sees everybody. You know, his whole thing is like, we're here for a reason. Everybody has a purpose. It's fate that we're here. So if Boone wants to hang out with Locke, Locke must believe that Boone is here for a reason. Hence why he goes out of his way to really bring Boone closer to the fold in a really dramatic, like overly dramatic way. Yeah, I would say like it's a moment of like an existential crisis for Boone that he's just put in this scenario and and Locke's like, well, see you later. (laughs) So Locke, well, I mean, Locke engineers this whole thing. Locke and Boone are going out to the hatch every day and they're trying to figure out how to open it up. There's like the glass little entryway, but they can't crack through it. They can't find any way of opening the hatch in terms of like a door handle or anything. This is the great scene where Boone is asking Locke, like, why are you just staring at the hatch all day? Yeah, yeah. And like, so he tells this story about Michelangelo. Michelangelo, I should say. Michelangelo, I'm sorry. Were we not just talking about this story? Did you not just tell this story to me? When would this have been? I don't know. When we were on vacation? Very often I am reciting stories about Michelangelo, so this sounds likely. This particular story. The Ninja Turtle. Staring at the, the marble, and then it eventually became... David. Yeah, I mean, I do every once in a while use this as like an example of like when I'm staring at a computer yeah. screen. Yeah, no, I think you, I think you just like reminded me about this while we were on vacation or like very recently. I was like, oh, now I know where you learned this story. Well, sometimes I'm just looking at like text edit or something. I'm just like, wow, my husband's so, <laughs> so profound. Smart. How did he learn this story? Sometimes, Emily, I- you know what? You just need to sit there and stare, and eventually something profound and amazing will happen for you. Like, is that? <laughs> Kind of embarrassing. Yes, blew up your spot. (laughs) Well, uh, at least we're not blowing up any arsts. But yes, I uh, I have used that metaphor before when I'm like looking at a blank page and I have work to do and I have a story to write and it's not just coming. And Emily's like, "Stop staring at the computer. Why are you just staring at it?" And then I'll be like, "Well, John Locke once said, yes, this is basically the story." Never referenced John Locke. You went straight to talking. I'm plagiarizing John Locke. Everyone, you're not plagiarizing. You're just I don't know. Anyway, so we I do steal (laughs) that story from John Locke. Everyone knows I'm a huge John Locke fan so of course i will spout out john Locke wisdom if i can if i have a moment but that is what he says to boone is that he's like oh i'm working you know this is what michelangelo did i'm the michelangelo of lost uh and he is he is trying to figure out a way to open up the hatch boone starts talking about bringing shannon into the fold because everybody's starting to wonder why are Boone and Locke going out into the jungle? What are they doing? Why aren't they coming back with any boar? People are getting suspicious. Boone says that Shannon is special and worthwhile and should be brought into this. John Locke passionately disagrees so much so that he is going to beat Boone in the back of the head and force him to go on this crazy acid trip. I mean, can you blame John Locke? For wanting to hit Boone? No, for just like not wanting her in on it because she'd just scream it. All she does is scream in all of these episodes. 
All right, so let's let's well. Baboon! Yeah, so let's, Help! Okay. Like, there are other ways to yell that are more effective, really. So let's pause down and get your uh. Let's check your temperature on Boone and Shannon in terms of lost characters. Boone does not make it out of season one alive. He's going to die several episodes after this one. Shannon doesn't live much longer. She dies six episodes into season two. So it's a really short run for Boone and Shannon, but not a great run while it's short. Not short. Not. However, one might say she's taken with Saeed. (laughs) That was awesome. That was really good. Thank you. Have you been working on that? I've been waiting to say that for the last, I don't know, 20 minutes. All right. Well, are you taken with Boone and Shannon? I'm not taken with either one of them. I find Boone to just sort of be this pretty boy that's running around trying to make meaning of things when he's, you know, clearly just a character that's like... Uh, what am I doing here? Buying off his sister's boyfriends for $50,000. Yeah, and Shannon's just running around screaming about it the whole time, just yelling for him to come help her every time. I mean, I appreciate that she tries to fledge out a little bit and, like, ends up with Saeed, you know, on a more romantic-looking Digging the flirt mance after all. Flirt mance, sure. I guess it is a flirt mance at this point. He bought her shoes. He didn't buy her, though. He found her shoes. Yeah, they're a half size off, though. Yeah, but for, like, the lost island, like, shoes store that's got to be pretty good <laughs> you said shoe story <laughs> no that is a, a scrapped flashback that they replaced with jack's tattoos instead you're right you're right no i mean i find i find it interesting to kind of watch them and their dynamic they've got a bit of a cruel intentions flirt mance going on boone and, and shannon together i mean it's very cruel that's intentions. a really good comparison i don't want to say that shannon is as cool as sarah michelle geller in that movie but i feel like Boone is probably with less game than Ryan Philippe's character, but probably at the end of the day, as much of a wuss. But probably a nicer guy, though. Maybe. Remember when we podcasted about Cruel Intentions? I do. That podcast exists. You can go back into the Post Show Recaps archives and find the time that Emily Fox and I talked about Cruel Intentions. Yes, please watch. Read. Watch. Read. Why are we reading? I don't know. Everybody read. All right, so let's keep talking about this episode. So Locke knocks out Boone. He's forcing Boone to kind of confront his own inner weaknesses. It's a bit of an endurance test, I guess, but like a really messed up one. Yeah, it's like, here, I've tied you up in such a way that, and here's this knife that's like a few feet in front of you. I've tied you up in such a way that if you are strongly, properly motivated, you will be able to get to that knife and get out of these knots that you have been tied tied up in it looks extraordinarily painful and boone it looks like has to like pop his shoulder out his arm out of its socket in order to do it he seems ultimately fine i don't think that that bothers him too much but he probably really really strained himself it did seem a little 50 shades of gray of john Locke. yeah yeah but you know what i think he's trying to prove a point here Of course he's trying to prove a point. What point do you think he's trying to prove? That he needs to face his own demons on this island. I mean, one of the most important things he says in this whole episode at the end is, I gave you an experience that I believe was vital to your survival on this island. I would like it if John Locke gave me an experience. I don't know if you want John Locke's experience. What do you think my experience with John Locke would be? I don't know if you could handle it. Well, here's a real question. Were you ever a Weebolo or a Cub Scout? I was a Cub Scout for a minute. How long? Really short, like a year or two. What happened? Uh, Just, you know, it didn't take. Were they like, here, try to start a fire? And you're like, no. I don't think I got to the fire starting stage of things. You weren't a fire starter? I wasn't a fire starter, a twisted fire starter. Yeah, what happened then? Uh, I remember building birdhouses and I got that far. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Why does that make you laugh so much? 
Why are you laughing? I don't know. Did you get a, a badge for that? I don't remember. We'll have to ask my mom. Okay, we'll ask her. Okay, I don't think that I was a Weeblo. Weeblo is higher than Cub Scout. I, I don't really think I've ever heard of a Weeblo. Someone give us the power rankings of the Cub Scouts and what badges you want and how cool being a Weeblo is. Is that, like, really elite status as a Cub Scout, or is that just okay? Because I really don't know. I didn't make it that far. Or maybe I did, and it was, like, the lowest ranking thing. I really don't remember. Yeah, I was a Brownie, and then I was a Junior. What's a junior? That's like a junior Girl Scout. So you can wear like green outfits instead of brown outfits. But they're all terrible outfits. Green for juniors like the mints? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Well, we were talking about Boy Scouts and Weeblos for way too long. But John Locke has asked about this. I don't know. I would love the John Locke experience. I don't know what it would look like, but I'd be up for a try. So he has given Boone this experience. Boone is going to have to cut himself out. The proper motivation comes in the form of screams from Shannon deep into the jungle. Boone goes to save her. He cuts her from being tied to a tree. Apparently Locke has tied her to a tree as well. But we are going to come to find out that this isn't really Shannon. This is a hallucination. Did you remember that in watching this episode or were you surprised by that reveal? I think I remembered it initially because when she's yelling for him before you see her tied up, I was just like, oh, obviously, because this is what's happening with a smoke monster nearby. Um, and then I got kind of called into it where I was like, oh, is this what happens? And then when he finds her dead, I was like, no, this is definitely not how she dies. I remember now. Yeah. No. Right. So you had remembered how she died. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, okay, this is not what it seems to be. So clearly Boone is going through his experience and, you know, going to come out on the other side and, and try to, you know, reconcile what's happened. It's the second major death fake out in, I think, three episodes. Charlie is hanged from the tree at the end. He's so messed up, by the way. And he still has pretty bad scars in this episode. Yeah, he's got bruising around his neck from when he was hanged by Ethan. But that was at the end of All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues, which is the final episode before Lost went on a mid-season break and then came back with the Kate episode, whatever the case may be. Charlie almost dies in that episode. They fake you out with that. And then in this episode, you know, two episodes afterwards, Hearts and minds they're faking you out with the shannon one and i wonder if lost like violated anybody's trust at that point or if people were like ah they're never going to kill anyone major if they keep shying away from having these moments they could have had a powerful moment killing charlie i think it was still a powerful moment in the moment when he survives and then here with shannon i bet it's like the opposite where people were like oh sweet finally they're killing shannon but they didn't they didn't do it here's the messed up thing so Locke asks boone how he felt when he saw her dead and he says i felt i felt relief yeah he felt relief I think everyone else did too. <laughs> yeah, everyone Oops. everyone felt a little relieved in that moment. But yeah, so it's a fake out. The smoke monster shows up, drags Shannon away. This is still in the phase of Lost where we haven't seen even a wisp of the smoke monster. We haven't seen any physical smoke monster at how, this point. How many times has a smoke monster appeared at this point in the show? Uh, at this point in the show, so it's appeared in the pilot. It happened in the first episode. They've heard it a couple of times since then. I'm this is like one of the first real stretches of time where you're like, whoa, this thing's no joke. It's one of the it's one of the earliest, obviously, major smoke monster appearances. It's still when we only know it as the monster. We don't know that it's anything smoky or, you know, lacking physical form, lacking a tangible form. So it's still mysterious, but there are points where like Boone is looking up into the sky. You would have to imagine he sees something smoky. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it gives it lends itself to looking like that at least. I don't know. Well, there's like shadow that like yeah. like 
when, yeah. when Boone and Shannon get trapped in, or like they hide inside of the tree. It's the one, two, three, four, five Kate tree, and they are hiding in there. And like you see a little bit of like a shadow of something on them, right? And it's coming from a perspective way high up, so it looks like it's floating almost. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like no. I agree with you. I know. Yeah. I noticed that as well. One of the one of the other things about it too, though, is like you see like kind of like flashes of light right. on Boone and Shannon, and there's a little bit of that later on when you finally start seeing the smoke monster like the first really good look you get of the smoke monster is in the first mr echo flashback in season two when echo is staring the thing down and like you're you know you have like the 360 shot of it and you get to see that like there's flashes like you know photography flashes inside the smoke monster basically and so maybe those are the bright flashes of light but there's also in the first john locke episode when he is cornered by what appears to be the monster and he survives he lives to tell the tale and he eventually tells jack i think an episode later that he looked into the eye of the island and what he saw was beautiful and he'll later tell mr echo that he's looked at the at the smoke monster and he has seen a white light and mr echo is like that is not what i saw uh but in this scene i mean in this episode it's early season one it's still close to the time when john locke saw the smoke monster i feel like back then the writers had more of like a bright light plan involved that never really materialized yeah i feel as though this is more cohesive in the longer run of the story at least in the first couple of seasons yeah i think that it fits with what's going on in the first season but anyway so boone makes it out of there it seems like shannon dies then he goes and he confronts john Locke, and they have like a big little tussle and yeah. Locke is like hey remember that time when i made you realize that shannon's weighing you down and you shouldn't hang out with shannon anymore and boone's like yeah that time was right now right and Locke's like yeah it's right now it's happening now don't you feel relieved and boone says yes i just told you i feel relieved and then boone really never hangs out with shannon ever again oh really Basically, I mean, so the other thing well, that no, I mean, obviously he's relieved and he's realizing he needs to let go. So like Shannon and Saeed go off on their own and kind of are like, I don't know, growing their love for each other. But I mean, like Boone, as improbable as it feels. But Boone early in the episode is like, you know, going up to Saeed and being like, stay away from Shannon, man. And all Saeed really wants to do is orienteering. Yeah, he loves orienteering. That's something he says in the episode. <laughs> Did you ever have to do orienteering? Maybe as a Cub Scout. I don't know. Oh, no. I had to do it as a class project in trigonometry. Guess what? What? I got like a C minus. Oh, wow. Emily Fox with the C minus. I did real bad. On did real good on that. All right. So, yeah, Saeed wants to do orienteering, but Boone like goes up to Saeed. He's like, stay away from her, man, if you know it's good for you. And Saeed's like, that sounds to me like you're giving me an order. You don't give orders to Saeed, especially if you're freaking Boone. Yeah, of course not. He's too pink-cheeked to deal with any of this. You would think that this would have been a great opportunity for Saeed to just lay Boone out. Yeah, but I think he knows like... Too much of a gentleman. It's not worth it. Like, it wouldn't have been, like, a great look if he had given Shannon shoes and then knocked out her brother. Like, I feel like knocking out the brother negates the benefits of giving her the shoes. Yeah, plus you hear her piercing scream again. Like, boom! Oh, my God, that's so awful. It's so grating, isn't it? It's not great. It's not, it's not great. And it, I feel bad. I feel like she could have been much more of, like, a, I don't know, three-dimensional character. But instead, it just, like, boils down to all of these yells and grunts and shrieks. This stage of Shannon is not a great character. I know she'll get a little better. A little better. I think that she gets a little tiny bit better. You know, basically Boone dies and Shannon becomes an interesting character. That's really what it takes. Boone has to die in order for Shannon to start revealing other sides of herself. It's a little unfortunate. It is what it is. Uh, You know, she's okay in those first six episodes of season two. There's some good work that's laid with her, you know, with her being able to see Ghost Walt and all of this stuff. Like, that's, that's all kind of good but that's really as good as it gets with shannon i think boone isn't an 
awesome character, obviously, but I don't think he's an awful, atrocious character either. I don't find him to be that offensive. It's just kind of like, what are you doing in this show? Well, his his <laughs> his flashback is really weightless compared to, you know, a bunch of the other flashbacks we've seen up to this point. Uh, I mean, that kind of sets the tone, though. You're not really supposed to be that committed to him if he only has one flashback, right? Well, up to this point, most people have only had one flashback. Okay. I mean, like, Jack and but Kate... This is the only one, correct? Right. Well, he's going to okay. die fairly recently after this, so, you know, they only have time for one. I do enjoy Sawyer's sort of cameo in his flashback yes. at the Australian police station. Yeah, so Sawyer's just like hanging in the background and that's one of the first signs that you really start to see a whole lot of as lost pushes on of like the connections between the castaways right it's a very complex web yes a very complex web but this is i to my memory i think the first major appearance of a major character in another major character's flashback i think that this is the first one sawyer popping up in boone's flashback anyway with boone i think that you know when you're looking at the flashbacks of like every other character that has happened so far with kate you know ignoring the first episode which has flashbacks for a few different characters talking about only like the character specific flashback episodes kate you find out she's a fugitive she's on the run all of that stuff obviously things are going to unfold obviously things are going to unfold john locke you find out was crippled before he came to the island which is insane and begs the question what more like can i learn about this guy this is insane right in son's flashback you find out that Jin was basically some sort of mobster or hitman or something and son has secretly learned english behind his back right which is also crazy so you're like yeah i want to learn more and then jack you find out that his uh his dad was you know not a great guy he was an alcoholic he died before Jack got to the island. That's why he went to Australia. So he was searching for his lost dead dad, who is also suddenly, maybe, possibly in the jungle. Right, exactly. So there's obviously more that's going to unfold with that. And, you know, obviously there, there are big character arcs, and we're just scratching the surface with these people. Boone, it feels like, right. sign sealed, delivered, I'm Boone. Well, yeah, like, so, like, the surface level <laughs> details you're getting of Boone up to this point is that, like, he is a B-lister at best. He is trying to be part of the A squad. He doesn't, you know, he's decent at just about everything. He would probably be a decent enough leader. He's a lifeguard, so push comes to shove. Like, he'd be a decent enough medical help, but Jack is there to be both leader and doctor. He wants to be, you know, part of the hunting squad, so he is going to, you know, go out there, but he will never be a John Locke. Boone's whole thing is that he wants to be a master, but he is the master of nothing, and he's going to be second fiddle at best to anybody that he is out there with, and and he's also just like a, such a pretty boy. You know, Ian Summerhalder is a beautiful, beautiful specimen of humanity. I mean, that's why he became a vampire. That's exactly why he became a vampire. Skin does not he sparkle. Found his niche. That's <laughs> just what it was. Yes. Is that the name of Nina Dobrev's character on the Vampire Diaries niche? No, no. Okay. Well, I was just, I was reaching there. Uh, but I mean, like everything about Boone, like you know about Boone on a surface level and it doesn't really get crystallized any further in the flashback where it really only reinforces that, yeah, he is a pretty boy. He's a pretty boy boy who has this horrible crush on his stepsister but other than that there's not really anything super new that you're learning about boone although i guess the fact that boone and shannon had sexual intercourse before they came to the island is a decent reveal at that point we had no idea that this was coming yeah there's definitely some tension now that suddenly has bubbled up and has been released Oh, gross. So what did you think? I mean, this was the this is the reason why going into this, I thought like, oh, Hearts and Minds, kind of a trashy episode. It's really, it just comes down to like the sex scene between Boone and Shannon. I can't watch that without feeling icky, honestly. 
Well, their chemistry is so awkward already because you've already looked at them as brother and sister. And then she, like, moves in on him and he's kind of like, no, don't. Okay. And, like, she, she like, like nibbles on his earlobe yeah, a little. she went in on a really awkward angle. Like, why go for the ear first? And then they're just, like, kind of, like, awkwardly wrestling around yeah. on the bed. It's a weird angle. There's, like, nothing suave about it. It's really, you know, I, I guess... Choreographed by, like, robots. But I guess I appreciate that it's, like, it's not, like, a super glamorous, sexy scene. It makes you well, feel creepy. It's supposed to make you feel good, I think. I think it's supposed to creep you out and yeah. make you feel really weird. And it, that's kind of a hard feat considering that Maggie Grace and Ian Summerhalder are two of, like, the hottest human beings on television at that time. Yeah, that's true. And somehow, like, you're not feeling this. It's just like, oh, I don't like it. No, no, no. And then, like, she turns the light on and she's like, put your clothes back on. Put your clothes back on. This is disgusting. This is shameful. And I'm like, how did you get your tank top back on? Never took it off. No, it's like a very strange cut. And I'm like, how did she do that in the dark? I don't know. It's because of her light sticks. But okay, so with with Shannon and Boone, they have made out. They have done the deed. They have made the bond. One of the stories behind this, Emily, I don't know if you're aware of this. Maybe some people who are listening to this podcast are aware of it. A behind-the-scenes story about how this scene was shot is this was obviously very uncomfortable for Maggie Grace and Ian Summerhalder. They've been playing Boone and Shannon as brother and sister and not much more this entire time. Suddenly they get this script and find out that Boone and Shannon made the bond in the past. So Shannon, uh, so Maggie Grace wants to make this very, very uncomfortable for Ian Summerhalder, and she had a mouthful of garlic when Boone, when Ian Summerhalder went in for the kiss on the first take. Did you know this story? That's so disgusting. Why would you do that? Just to prank him, just to make him feel uncomfortable. But, like, it's already uncomfortable kissing a co-star. Yeah, but this made it, like, really stinky and garlicky. Oh, and, like, the first take? Sorry, it's there for the rest of the takes. You don't just, like, have garlic in your mouth and then it stops once you take it out. It's For, for all of the takes, it's a garlic take from now on. Yeah, exactly. She probably smelled like garlic for days. It's, like, the kind of thing that, like, on paper, that's a really funny idea. Like, oh, I'm going to put garlic in my mouth and that's really going to suck for Ian Summerhalder. But then you realize you have so much garlic in your own mouth. That's, yeah, it's probably a little spicy. Was the garlic take worth having your own mouth just filled with garlic forever? She clearly didn't eat it afterwards, did she? I don't think that, I don't know. That's a follow-up question you should ask. I should ask them if I ever get the chance. That garlic. Yeah. Uh, Also, good thing that Ian Summerhalder was not yet a vampire in that moment. Oh, yeah. Because the garlic really would have sucked. Damn, that would have been bad. That would have been really bad. But that's really the only element of this episode that I find trashy. I actually think the rest of the episode is pretty compelling. I find it very um, sort of comforting to watch Jin and Hurley kind of talk through their issues, one in Korean, one in English. Well, it's great because this is like an echo, not a Mr. Echo of Hurley and Jin early on in Lost when Jin is going around and he's like feeding people pieces of sea urchin and Hurley gets by the way like of all the things to turn down when it's fresh and being served to you like that and I'd be like no I'd be all about that it might be good and I'm hungry but some people aren't super adventurous eaters and Hurley is not quite yet that hungry when the urchin comes his way so he turns him down and Jin is very offended because Hurley laughs in his face literally so here Hurley is trying to get some fish from Jin and Jin is not having it and it ends in the two of them fishing side by side and Hurley getting very angry because Jin is having great luck catching the fish and Hurley is not doing so well. And then he steps on a sea urchin and in shades of Kathy Vavrick O'Brien and John Carroll is begging Jin to pee on his foot. And that is really funny. Jin is refusing to do it. But the language barrier barrier of Hurley trying to get Jin to figure out, I need you to pee on my foot. Yeah, it's just, just an like incredible thing. Grabbing at his crotch. <laughs> 
nuts. Um, isn't that even that's something that you do for a jellyfish? Isn't that the the? I have no idea. I didn't get to that stage in Cub Scouts either. You didn't? I was not a jellyfish I'm scout. Sure I like peed on myself once to make the jellyfish burn stop. I don't know. I don't want to dig deeper into Did that. Did you not watch that Friends episode? Uh, you were on an episode of Friends? Yeah, I was. I was. I played Monica on that episode. No. <laughs> no, Monica Courtney Cox was busy that no, day. They called Emily Fox <laughs> instead. Courtney Cox? No, Emily Fox. Indeed. I don't know about the jellyfish thing. I have no idea. We do not need to talk about that any further. Certainly not about the time you peed on yourself. I don't think that needs to be I out think there. I did. Okay, let's stop there. Let's not go any further I with that. No, I was a kid. I think the point is that Hurley has no idea, and Jin is probably like, no, if it's not a jellyfish, I don't have to pee on you. Yeah, Either exactly. way. That's probably what he was saying. He was like, God, you idiot. Didn't you grow <laughs> up on Hawaii? Don't, don't you know this? He, he has no idea. They've never talked before. Ugh. Well, anyway, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed It's a bad episode for Hurley with bodily functions. Oh, man. He had so much gastro... (laughs) Severe gastrointestinal distress is, I believe, what you're looking for. That's the hashtag. That was one of the most important bullet points I wrote down for this entire... (laughs) Severe gastrointestinal distress. I appreciate that. He's having that. He's, like, consulting with Jack. Like, I'm eating too much fruit. I need some proats. I need some proats. Otherwise, my stool's going to be pretty loose. And he's going around, like, finding the best leaves for toilet paper he barfs at one point it's a tough episode for hurley i mean some people just don't take to the island's life or camping you know either one of those things not an easy thing to do it's not for hurley maybe not for hurley so there's a lot of good stuff going on with hurley and Jin, with Jin's wife son big important revelation in this episode as well this is the episode where kate finds out that son can speak english so now son has shared that secret with two other castaways michael already knows this now kate knows it as well this is you know i i, I guess i never really thought about like where does that come up but this is the start of kate and son kind of being friends which is nice to see right right and i love that they're gardening together it's very sweet yes the lost garden becomes one of my favorite locations on the show it's not used a whole lot but every once in a while they go there and it's really getting its start here which is cool yeah i think it's adorable very adorable uh, of course the saeed and shannon thing is happening we've covered that already saeed is trying to figure out how to make a compass because he likes to make things john Locke, he shows him he shows up he throws his compass at saeed saeed loves orienteering he doesn't know if this compass is going to work because it's pointing north in the wrong direction are you saying compass? What am I supposed to say? Compass? Yeah, compass. I'm saying compass. What's the big deal? I, I'm just, <laughs> I didn't pass Cub Scouts, Emily. <laughs> I learned it in orienteering, Josh. You, you say compass, I say compass. Let's call the whole thing off. Okay, I, fair enough. Um, but yeah, this made me actually think of the compass not working properly. Back to the show Stranger Things. Ooh, Stranger Things. No Stranger Things spoilers, please. No, I won't have any of it. Um, but it makes me think about like there being some sort of other force out there. Others? Maybe throwing off. Others force? Others force. Well, it's the electromagnetism probably. Yes. You know, I mean, we find out that the island is electromagnetic and high doses of electromagnetism probably screwing up with the uh, the north-south west east magnetic fields i don't know panicking because i don't know things about compasses and i'd be lost and dead in the woods did you ever hear the song you go north south east and west but coming home is the best is that the theme song of the torkelsons <laughs> no but i wish. are you still really mad that no one reached out to you about the torkelsons That's untrue i had a few tweets saying i watched the torkelsons and the torkelsons coming home i really appreciate you guys saying it coming out of the woodwork to tell me this 
it's really great when people tweet Emily about the Torkelsons. So go tweet at Emily about the Torkelsons if you know about the Torkelsons. Or anything else for that matter. I enjoy your tweets tremendously. Just the Torkelsons. This is my request. Please don't tweet anything at Emily unless it's about the Torkelsons. You're being a real Dorothy Jane about this, Josh. I don't know what that means. Anything else from Hearts and Minds? Um, overall, I just really loved the scope of it. It was great to check in with everybody, see where everyone's at at this point in the, in the season. Smaller, intimate episode of Lost, classic season one, mid-season one, which a lot of people are kind of just whatever on. These are the types of episodes that if you just want to pop on a casual episode of Lost, it's Hard to go wrong here. I mean, it's the earliest days of the Hatch. It's the first episode that's really dealing with the Hatch, so you're not into Dharma mythology at all. It's just cute character interactions between the people that you really tend to love. It's before Lost gets crazy complicated. You could really just enjoy it at surface value. I actually really loved going back and watching this one. I think it just captured the innocence of everybody right before stuff got real weird. Yeah, things tend to get really weird the deeper into lost we go all right so if there's nothing else about hearts and minds since we said we're going to start doing this at the end of these lost lives returns podcasts we are going to start picking our episode for next week so that you guys have enough time in advance to send questions rewatch the episode before we record our watch of the episode so let's start picking our next episode of lost are you ready for this emily i am ready ready and willing to go all right first up uh again we can only pick the fourth eighth fifteenth or 16th episodes that we generate through EpisodeGenerator.com. Will we ever get to the 15th or 16th? I don't know. I hope not. That seems like that would be really bad. Terrible. That would be really terrible. Let's cross your fingers and hope it does not go there. All right. Season 5, Episode 9, Namaste. That is Jack, Kate, and Hurley going back to the Dharma Initiative in the 1970s for the first time in full form. It's right after, I think it's right after the life and death of Jeremy Bentham, or maybe it's after 315, 316, rather, I think it is. Not really sure. Anyway, we're not watching that one. Here's the second episode. We will not be watching this one either. Uh Season 5, the Episode 7, the life and death of Jeremy Bentham that I just referenced. This is the episode where john locke dies r.i.p john locke oh r.i.p indeed as dad is my dharma glass oh i'm really sorry about it's okay that. it's all right we'll get past it someday all right episode three we will not be talking about this one either season one episode three tabula rasa this is the first character-centric flashback episode of lost it's kate it's about what kate it's not about what kate did it's one of the things that kate did we will not be talking she about this one so many things she did so many things i'm you know a little bit sad because i know you're not a big kate person so maybe this would have been fun for some kate hate I, I don't hate her. It's, did you like Kate in this episode? I did. I enjoyed her very much in this episode. No problems with the hair? I mean, it was... Uh, it was curly-ish. Oh, well, she has curly hair. I'm just saying, pull it back in a way that's effective. You're gardening and stuff. Aren't you going to, like, wipe the sweat off your brow? Don't you want your little tendrils to be pulled aside? All right, get those tendrils out of here. All right, let's generate episode four. This is the first one that we will be able to podcast about. Generate... Next episode, season three, episode 11, Enter 7-7. This is a great episode of Lost. This is a Saeed flashback. This is Saeed and uh, John Locke and Kate. They are going through the jungle. They are going to find Mikhail, the first appearance of Mikhail, a.k.a. Patchy. He's terrifying. He's scary. That's a really fun episode. I think that the Saeed episodes tend to be really underrated episodes of Lost. And I think that Enter 7-7 especially gets kind of lost in the mix of that stuff. No pun intended with the Lost thing. I would go with Enter 7-7 if you want to. Yeah, I'm feeling this. All right, we're going to do Enter 7-7 next week just uh, as, a, as a thought exercise. What would we have gotten if we'd gone to episode 8? You ready? Okay. 
All right. So the next episode would have been Everybody Loves Hugo, season six. It would have been season five, Whatever Happened, Happened. It would have been season five, Some Like It Hoff. And then the eighth episode would have been season five, episode one, Because You Left. So it would have been a lot of later season stuff. I think that we ended up doing pretty well here with season three, Enter 7-7, Saejira flashback episode. Yeah, I like jumping around the way that we have been. I think that that's the most effective way to kind of look at all of these. All right. And season three is still early-ish so that I think that you'll have some nostalgia. Exactly. That's that's all I'm looking for here. All right. So this will be a really great conversation about Saeed, who's one of Emily's favorite characters. Really looking forward to Emily's hot takes about that. I think we're going to have some fun talking about Mikhail. Oh, he's, I just hate his iPad. <laughs> it's no. great. Oh, it's awesome. No, what's under there? <laughs> you see it at one point. It's just like flesh. Oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. It's... I forgot about everything. I'm sorry. I've, I've forgotten all of the lost. To the lost. <laughs> All right, there we go. All right, so Emily and I will be back next week talking Enter 77 Saeed flashback from season three of Lost. If you want to watch that episode and send us any questions that you have about that episode or any questions that you have, just generally speaking, you can send them to us. PostShowRecaps.com slash feedback is our feedback form on Post Show Recaps. You can also tweet them to Emily and I. I'm at Round Howard. Emily is at Emilet. You can tweet us there. Hashtag time. Do you like garlic take? How about hashtag garlic take? Oh, I like that hashtag. That's great. All right. So put some hashtag garlic take out there into the universe and send it our way if you got there, uh, if you got this far in the podcast. Anything else, Emily? No, I'm just very much looking forward to our next episode recap. Yes. We will talk about Saya Jara. Our flirt mance will continue. Ugh, I really just don't like that term. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. All right. Not sorry that we had a great Lost Lives podcast for you today. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you, Josh. Bonsoir. Bonsoir. All right. And before we sign out for the week, why don't we end this second episode of Lost Lives Returns on an interesting note, on a little bit of a tease, much like last time, and I think probably much like future editions of Lost Lives Returns. We are going to preview what's coming ahead in next week's podcast. So let's hear a little ditty from the person that we are going to hear from next week. Here is our guest for next week's Lost Lives Returns with a little treat, a chocolatey treat. Here he is. Hi, this is Mike Bloom, and this is my pitch for Lost 2. We open on an eye, because, of course, we open on an eye. A powder blue eye, in fact. This eye is scanning, moving back and forth, contemplating each and every object it passes over, until it finally stops on one. We then see coins drop into the slot of a vending machine as an Apollo candy bar begins to fall out and then gets stuck. The eye belongs to a man who proceeds to then bang on the machine, tries to pry his hands into it, then finally lets out a beleaguered sigh in what turns out to be an office break room. Well, we track behind him as he leaves the break room, and we see an office decked out with cubicles and chatty co-workers, the like. The camera lingers on a quote on the wall, which reads, Prevention is the number one reason people live longer lives today. The man reaches his cubicle, puts his bag down, and boots up his computer. The logo of the Hanso Foundation suddenly comes to life on the screen with a, a simple welcome displayed welcome. below it. I'm Dr. Marvin You didn't need to come in today. The man suddenly looks up and sees a female co-worker peering over his cubicle. I know, but it, it helps to take my mind off things. <laughs> At least it gets me away from the family for a good eight hours. I'm so sorry for your loss. She seemed like an amazing woman. What she went through for you, she trails off, 
not exactly sure how that sentence should be finished. Moment of silence, and then, to be honest, it's been a nightmare. Making the arrangements, buying the casket, trying to figure out who to call and give news to. Honestly, all I want to do right now is just tune out my mind and work on this mental health summary for the donors. His computer finally finishes booting, and he begins to distractedly tap on his keyboard. The female co-worker looks worried, then ducks out of frame, seemingly to grab something on her desk. She soon emerges. Well, even amidst the recent course of events, I didn't forget what day it was. It's small, but I could tell it's something you've always wanted. She reaches over the cubicle wall and hands him something. Turns out to be the Apollo candy bar that was just stuck in the machine. It has a post-it note on it with a ribbon drawn on, some sort of white collar representation of a gift. The man accepts the candy bar and even ekes out a smile. The woman simply replies, Happy birthday, Aaron. And dips once again below eye level. The camera pans around to reveal the nameplate on the cubicle. Aaron Littleton, Associate Director of Project Development and Research, the Hanso Foundation. The screen cuts to black. Lost. And there you go. Give it up for Mike Bloom. Another one of the very early co-hosts here on Lost lives back in the day and also joined me for a bunch of different podcasts. The Quancast was a favorite. I enjoyed that. We also talked about the anniversaries. I believe it was the 10-year anniversary of the season one finale and the six-year anniversary of, or the five-year anniversary, actually, of the series finale. Those are great podcasts if you want to seek those out. Mike will be on the show next week to not only talk a little bit more about his vision for Lost 2 and what a Lost 2 could possibly entail, much like I talked with Antonio about this week. We're also going to get wrecked, and that is not a way of saying get faded or any other sort of euphemism involving Lost booze. We are talking about the show Wrecked, which is a parody of Lost. It aired this summer. The first season is finished. A second season has been ordered. Mike is going to watch all of Wrecked. I'm going to watch as much of it as I have time for, and we will talk about how that show and whether or not it is a worthy comedy version of Lost. I have no idea. I haven't watched a single minute of it. Hopefully it's okay. I know Joe Garfine was a little worried about it, but I'm going to talk about that with Mike. Going to be a very fun conversation. The wrecked conversation with Mike, some Lost 2 with Mike, and Enter 7-7 with Emily Fox next week. Subscribe to what we're doing. Make sure you don't miss a single episode of the limited edition Lost Lives Returns. PostShowRecaps.com slash Lost iTunes is the way to subscribe. We would appreciate any ratings, any reviews. You would be so kind as to leave for us. Make sure that you check in next week. Any feedback you want to send our way, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. Thanks so much for listening again. Having a blast on these podcasts. Hope you guys are enjoying them. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.